And now, introducing a man who will entice you with an offer you can't refuse by saying, Hey, sweet thing, can I buy you a fish sandwich? Then he'll whisper sweet nothings in your ear, something along the lines of, I want to take a big old butt out of your butt. And then he'll close the deal by showing you the goods. When you inevitably melt and invite him back to your place, you'll have to take your car because the thing about his car is, it doesn't exist. He is Glenn Clark. You know, at first I thought you were doing Jerome Boger. I thought you were doing, like, Jeremy's take on Jerome Boger. So it actually very took, similar. It took me a second to realize. And uh, I'm a big fan. I, uh, I love me some ladies' man back in the day. That was, uh, that was very nice. Very well done, sir. Good morning. Glenn Clark Radio. I'm Glenn. He's Paul Valley. Uh, Papa Cass is here. We're one week out from Papa Cass running the show. And uh, she says she's confident, so we'll see. We'll see how it goes. We've got a lot to do on the program today. Uh, coming up uh, this hour, it's been a while. We're going to catch up with Coach Brian Billick. He's got a new gig out at Arizona State. He's going to tell us all about that. Why would he want to work at this point in his life? Why? Why? That's that's basically the question I got for him. I also want to talk to him about the overtime thing and some other. Uh, I had a couple people who, much like Paul Mittermeier, the baseball comparison was what worked for them to understand the absurdity of football overtimes. And I stand by it. This thing where you're like, well, you know, defense matters. You know, defense has to matter. That whole bit. No one ever says that about baseball. No one ever says, well, just end the game if somebody scores in the top of the 10th inning. Pitching and defense matter, right? They do. They're part of the game, aren't they? Aren't they part of the game? So if somebody scores in the top of the 10th inning, sorry, tough tooties. That's the end of the game, baby. That's the way it works. Get your chance to bat. What? What? Pitching matters. Defense matters. You could have turned that double play, and you didn't. Get out. Right? Right? But it's not getting fixed. Mike Tomlin joined the list of coaches who has no in, who have no interest in fixing it because, you know, why not? I am, I am wholly convinced that this is just, this is what we're used to. It's, it's the thing I argue about. I will constantly say there are a group of people who hate change so much that if if their tradition was that they have to get kicked in the nuts every day at 9 a.m., they would argue to you, dude, getting kicked in the nuts at 9 a.m. is great. You're just jealous you can't get kicked in the nuts at 9 a.m. It's the best. I love getting kicked in the nuts. I want every day to start by me taking a big old kick to the nuts. There are some freaks out there that do enjoy that. That's a different, I think it's a different ki- thing. We, we don't, don't yeah, kink yeah, shame. It's 100% right with you, not kink shame. Um, I'm 1,000% convinced that some people are just so adverse to change and doing things differently that no matter how BS what it is that you're doing, you're still going to find a reason to defend it. There's no defending the NFL's overtime system. It's stupid. It's dumb. It's unfair. But yet, for whatever reason, in the wind, you can feel it blowing. They ain't changing it. They're just not. Owners' meetings continue this week down in um, Palm Beach, and I have zero hope that they're going to get this solved and they're going to get this right. But, you know, 
I hope to be surprised. I just don't think I will be. Also coming up this morning, of course, it's uh, Tuesday, so we'll chat with Patrick Stevens, talk a little about the NCAA tournament as well as the goings-on in the world of college lacrosse. And then Fats Russell is scheduled to join us this morning. Of course, uh, spent this past season at Maryland. Don't think this is what he signed up for. Um, But, you know, he, he certainly had some exceptional moments. It's a shame that this was the season that he got after transferring to Maryland. We will talk to him about his experience, but he also has a unique perspective as Maryland has added his former head coach, to their basketball staff, David Cox, who was the assistant at Rhode Island, sorry, was the head coach at Rhode Island, will now be an assistant at the University of Maryland under Kevin Willard. So we're going to talk to Fats Russell about his experiences with David Cox as well and what Maryland will be getting with their new assistant coach. So all of that's coming up as well as simply the bets on a Tuesday GCR, of course, Simply the Bets, we do every Tuesday at 11.40 a.m. Usually Aaron Oster and Bruce Billick join us. This week we're going to mix things up a little bit. And Leon Twyman, the assistant general manager at the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, will be joining us instead, along with Aaron Oster from VEASAN. Simply the Bets every Tuesday morning at 11.40 a.m. Make sure you join us for that. And then every other Thursday, we bring you Weekend at Bookies, including next Thursday will be the next episode of Weekend at Bookies. Um, I wanted to do something today. I'm so caught. I'm I'm enraptured by the overtime thing. Like, I'm telling you, I can't. You're watching something. It's like a train wreck, man. Like, you know it's coming, and you can't do anything about it. This should have been the moment where everything got fixed, where everything changed. We all watched the same playoff game, the Chiefs-Bills game, and we all knew, well, they can't ever do this again. Right? 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 Wrong. Wrong. And I'm certain of it. I'm certain that they are not going to fix it. And it's amazing to me watching them they're really going to do this. They're really just not going to fix this thing. Un-effing real. And, of course, on Tuesdays we have cast to a top five, and it got me thinking about the top five most infuriating rules in sports that, for whatever reason, never, ever, ever get fixed. And I was like, I'm going to do that today. And then I forgot. And then I plum forgot to make my list. Because I think about some of the ones that I have complained about for years, many of which fall in the world of football. The overtime thing is high on the list. Not quite as high on the list as the fumbling through the end zone thing, which is the dumbest rule that has ever existed in the history of any sport ever. It's And no one talks about it. We just have it come up, and then when it comes up, everybody's like, oh, yeah, this rule's stupid, and then we all just move on. Why do you find that rule stupid? I'm intrigued. If you fumble the ball from the two-yard line to the one-yard line, you get the ball on the one-yard line. If you mm-hmm. fumble the ball from the one-yard line to the goal line, the other team gets the ball? That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. Based on where you are on the football field, if you happen to fumble the ball out of bounds anywhere else, no big deal. 
just go get the ball back. But if it just so happens to be in the end zone, for whatever stupid reason, we literally declare it a turnover. Did the other team do anything to deserve a turnover? No! Unless they forced the fumble. They didn't have to. You could have just dropped the ball. Like Kyle Buller. And if they forced the fumble, they still have to recover it. They don't have to do that. You know, I've never thought about it's it because it's the dumbest rule ever. I've just accepted it because it's always been that you way. You used to it. It makes no bloody sense. You're there right. is no defending it. There is no rationalizing it. It's the dumbest rule ever that's just existed for whatever stupid reason and no one ever does anything about. And it doesn't come up all that much. It's very rare that you have a situation where someone fumbles the ball through the end zone. And it some of them are so much worse than others. It's the ones where like someone's diving for the pylon and the ball escapes from their hands. No one has done anything at all to remotely force a fumble, but now guys are afraid to dive for the pylon because if they happen to lose the ball, they might fumble it through the end zone. Mm -hmm. It's insanity. Should they just get the ball on the one? Yes! Okay. Why is this hard? It's not hard. I'm just uh, maybe move it back to the 20 to keep part of the rule. I, I, but why? <laughs> you don't do that anywhere else on the field. Nowhere else on the field do you say, hey, if you fumble the ball out of bounds, we're, make, we're penalizing you 20 yards. Yeah. Nowhere else on the field do you do that. Well, There's one place. <laughs> well, if that's so simple, right. why is it not so simple to give both teams possession in overtime? But they, it's not simple, Paul. They haven't fixed that rule. <laughs> They haven't done anything with it. It just continues to exist. And it's like a wink, wink, nudge, nudge type of thing. Like, ha, 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 we still got that stupid thing in <laughs> there. Screw these guys. It would be like putting a poison pill in a bill in Congress that said something like, oh, and every week we get another $6,000 bonus as if you're a member of Congress. And then everybody just sort of high fives. You're like, <laughs> <laughs> we got one over on them again. I'm sure they've done something like that. Uh, we got one over on them again. It's like somebody is obsessed with this stupid rule. It's like what gets their rocks off. And so they laugh every time it comes up. Like, ha, ha, this dumb thing that makes no sense <laughs> but makes me horny. Ha, ha, here it is again. Woo! Their helicopter, you know what, in the other room. Like, they're doing the whole thing. They're doing a, a Petey Pablo, take your shirt off, twist it around your head, spin it like a helicopter, the whole thing. They're doing all of it. Makes no sense. So that one's very high on the list. There's no doubt about that. The thing where they don't reseed in the playoffs in the NFL is very high on the list. And where they continue to whack, for whatever wacky reason, um, let the, although I thought this was going to be changed, the thing where they continue to let the division winners host playoff games instead of, um, you know, if you're a 7-10 and 10 team that makes the playoffs, you don't get to host a team that went 14-3 and three because that would be nuts. That's insane. Why would we ever do that? These are the types of things that I was talking about. But I didn't. I screwed up. I was supposed to do five because I wanted it to match. Cat, I wanted to do cat. Hey, Cass, you can have your top five, but now I'm stealing your thunder. I've got a better top five. And then I forgot about all the rest of them. But I would like to hear yours today. The most infuriating, why is it that we can't just fix this types of rules within sports? I will be reminded that I regularly bitch about Ooh, this is a good one that you can talk about, Cass. I regularly bitch about um, uh, the offsides rule in soccer. Not because I don't think it should exist. I get the concept. 
The concept, though, should be to prevent cherry picking. And the thing where we're literally heat mapping if someone's toe was more forward than someone else's and we're taking goals off the board because of it is the dumbest thing ever. The concept, the thought behind the rule is you don't want cherry picking. You want players playing the entirety of the field. That's the reason why offsides exist. We have instead made it punitive. We have attempted to say somebody's running right along exactly where they're supposed to be, but now we've got all these crazy, we can draw a line, and your elbow was just slightly behind this other person's elbow, so sorry, the goal doesn't count. You did everything right, but it just so happened to be that their elbow bent in while yours bent out, so sorry, you don't get to score a goal. It's insane. Damn you for being faster than everybody yeah, else da- in the field. How dare you? How dare you do exactly what you were supposed to do, but just get the dumb luck that you happened to bend your leg and they didn't at that point. And so because of that, we can heat map and see that you were a little bit, one tiny part of your body was a little bit behind this other person, this defender's body. It's nonsense. It has nothing to do with why the offsides rule exists. There are people that argue that offsides shouldn't exist at all. I disagree. I get the concept. You want players playing the entirety of the field. You want it to be a full-on game. You just don't want to have players standing around. It's supposed to be a game of running. There's a reason why schlubs like me can't play the game, and Cassidy can, right? There's reason for that, because there's a lot of running involved, and I'm going to need a cigarette a little while. I don't smoke cigarettes for what it's, it's a joke. Like, I can't do that type of running. It's not for me. It's for folks like Cass. That seems like a simple fix, too, like they did in the NBA, where you can't be in the, in the paint for more than three seconds. Like, Yeah, yeah. there have been different things that have been thrown around about trying to fix it but it's like it's like the overtime problem there's so many ideas that people have about how to like my answer is just stop looking if you can't tell immediately that someone is clearly clearly significantly behind the defender stop what are we doing it's a goal if you can't tell clearly then you've missed the purpose of the rule. The problem is that's not easily definable. I can't define that with words for how to adjudicate that. Cassie, you're with me. You think that my that this is a dumb rule? I think it's a dumb rule. Yeah. Like, I are agree. You, are you? But you, do you? Are you? Are you the type that wants offsides gone altogether? No, or, yeah. I'm like in the middle with it because if offsides was like not a thing at all, then like it would just be a free for all, and there'd be no like strategy to the game. There'd be no challenges. You could just sit back there and get the ball. Yep. Um, but I do think it is dumb how I think what ruined it is like the VR and being able to go back and just like being like, Oh, this like toe, what you were in the direction. And it's like, it's unnatural. Like it's going to happen. Like you, and you're doing exactly what you're supposed to do. You're running in line with the defender. Right. And are you watching the ball? Are you watching that as it's getting kicked that that player's running? So sanity, it's utter insanity. That's definitely on my list. It's 1000% on my list of, rules that just exist and it's insane and it makes no effing sense but we just don't do anything about it we just continue to accept getting kicked in the nads every morning at 9 a.m and we say high five come kick me baby i like it i want it 
Kick me in them nads. That's what we do. That's the nature. Are there any related to baseball that are like that for the you? The only one that I can kind of think about is if you have like a speedster on first base and somebody rips one into the gap and it hops over the fence and they make him stop at third base. That guy was clearly going to score. Now that's up to the umpire's discretion. <sighs> yeah. But they almost never say that that guy can score. They always stop him at third base. That dude would have scored if that ball is, stayed in the is park. That, is the rule really? Is, the rule is written the umpire could give you home plate? I've seen it happen. I've at seen, what uh, level? Uh, at the major league level, I've seen it happen. When? The, the, they almost never do it, but I know, I know I've seen it at least once. Wait, 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 wait. The rule is written that even if it's a ground rule double and there was a runner on first base, you could give them home plate? Yes, it's up to the umpire's discretion. I'm like 99.99% I've never sure. heard that. I'm not telling you you're wrong. I've just never now, heard that. Now, they could have that. changed it, but I don't. I, I feel like we would have heard about that. I am so, so mesmerized by this idea that that would be a rule. Hang on a second. I need to... All right. I'm, yeah. I'm, looking, up, I'm looking up ground rule double rules. No, 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 no. I'm not. I'm not getting the answer to my question, unfortunately. Um, when two bases are awarded by either ground rules or the automatic rule, any base runners ahead of the batter are entitled to advance two bases from their positions at the time of pitch. Only in the case of interference is the umpire vested with discretion to award more bases. So a, a ground rule double that goes over the wall, you would not. There would be no scenario. Okay. It's only a case where. Like if a um, fan reaches onto the field and, exactly and, and right. grabs or the, the ball. Or the ball boy or the ball girl or something like that, where the umpire could say, this runner was going to score, we're going to allow the runner to score anyway. A ball that bounces in, you know, on the warning track and goes over the fence, you could never, no umpire is allowed to let that r runner score. And I, I was going to say, that, I had never okay. heard of that concept. That's why it was so foreign. So I knew it was, uh, I was a little foggy yeah, on it, yeah. but but the, but I've, I've seen it happen uh, where I guess a fan interfered with the ball and they let the guy score because they said he would he would have scored, but it rarely happens. And I feel like if you have I, Cedric Mullins on first I, base, well, I understand that happens, what you're saying. That's so. Th this goes back to like how much how how much gray area do we want to provide to officials? And it's it's part of the offsides problem, right? Like where where my argument is not easily defined and it's now up to the discretion of the people that are officiating the game and we really don't want that. Mm -hmm. We really don't want there to be more discretion. We want it to be here are the rules, adjudicate the game based on the rules mm -hmm. more than hey, what do you think would have happened? What's your opinion about this subject? If uh, adjudicate based on that. We don't really want that. We really want it to be about what the rules are you know, define something by what the rules are. And it's very tricky, right? Because I I certainly hear the argument on ground rule doubles that it's a bummer. It's It shouldn't exist that way. And maybe it's the best argument for having taller walls, right? Mm -hmm. Like what the Orioles are doing in left field. Well, ain't going to have that problem anymore. Not going to happen. <laughs> we made imagine the, a ball bouncing 13 I have, feet. I would love to see it. <laughs> just it's just one of those Super Balls. 100%. It'd be amazing if we saw something like that. But I'm just going to guess we're not going to. Probably going to guess that those that those days are over. It, it's I'm, I'm generally okay with the rules in baseball. I, th I think you should be able to challenge a check swing because um, sometimes umpires get that wrong. And, and they're so... Uh, they're so 
adamant, no, he went, and then you see the replay. What happened and he in the wasn't World close. Series, didn't it? Yeah, it, it, it's it's you should be able to, to review that. It was the Dodgers World Series, wasn't it? Wasn't when they won the World Series and didn't the series end on like a horrendous check swing? Yeah, if it wasn't the World Series, it's definitely a playoff series where it was the he did the not series swing. Ended, yeah, and it was just a utterly horrendous check swing. It may have been the NLCS this Maybe. year. Maybe. Because if it was a World Series, we we would know. You know what I mean? You say that. It's two years removed. Name how many things can you remember from that World Series? It happened in Texas. Come on. I remember Justin Turner being on the field with COVID, not wearing a mask. I do remember that. And I remember what's-his-face from the the Rays getting that incredible hit in Game 2 to tie up the series, uh, Brett Phillips. Yeah. And that's it. Those are the list of things that I can remember about the 2021 World Series. So we're we're just too far removed. Yeah. You would remember, though, if the World Series ended on a check swing. Something something like that, though. But I think it was the NLCS. You might be right. I'm I'm not telling you you're wrong. Because, again, it, it's all foggy up here. Mm-hmm. It's all foggy until you start reminding me about Rick Neuheisel and hanging out of a basketball game. <laughs> then it all comes rushing back to me in those moments. But it's foggy until I get something that guides me back to it. Um, so I do. I want yours. I want your insanity, what are we doing types of rules. And it's not to me the, the baseball, like the extra inning baseball thing. It's not that. I love the extra inning baseball thing. But I don't think it's pure insanity that we played extra inning baseball games by the same rules of the other innings in the past. I just think that we were presented something that's better and we should continue doing that. These are the utter, no defense of it whatsoever types of rules. The types of rules where you just, there is no way that you can make an argument for how it's fair or reasonable or right or better for the sport. Those are the ones that I'm looking for. Roughing the passer. Disagree. Not 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 all. I, again, if you, you blow a dude a dude's I, doors off, you're doing it. You're saying something different, right? Like we don't like the discretion involved with roughing, yeah. roughing the passer. Fair. But Fair. the rule itself, I understand why it exists. That you we don't want quarterbacks getting hurt. Mm-hmm. It's the reality. We learned that at some point. We don't. We tune in to watch these guys play. I believe it was when Tom Brady tore his ACL. That's when the NFL made the decision. But we don't want our quarterbacks getting hurt. We don't want that. Mm -hmm. We have to acknowledge that. Nobody wants to watch Drew Locke and Gardner Minshew play quarterback in the NFL. We don't want that. We want the real players playing. We don't even have enough of them right now. We want the real quarterbacks playing. That's what we tune in to watch. So we don't want roughing the passer to go away we just don't like it when it's something where, like, really? That's what you're calling? We mm-hmm. just don't like it. But there are bad calls that happen in every sport. Yeah. The rule itself, we do want. I promise you we want the roughing the passer rule because we don't want Terry Tony Saragusa trying to take out Rich Gannon. Ah, come we on, don't, man. We loved Cru- it th- crush we, his ribs. We loved it then, <laughs> but we wouldn't want it now. Back in the day, we didn't think quarterbacks mattered. Just put somebody else out there. <laughs> we can win a Super Bowl with Trent Dilfer. You ain't winning a Super Bowl with Trent Dilfer anymore. Those days are over. You can't do that anymore. Yeah, because you can't break ribs anymore. You have to have. Well, no, because the quarterbacks got better, <laughs> and the rules changed. You got to get better. So I've, 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 we've, we've spoken like four of them that I think are legit. I can't even think of a fifth that would finish out my uh, Papa Cass's top five. But I'll come I up. I have with one. one. Oh yeah, it's for soccer. Okay, and I would definitely like. No, I think this rule is so stupid. I hate the handball rule more than anything. You think in we the should world. be allowed to use our hands? No, but like. <laughs> I think it's I'm fascinated by it. I Papa think Cass wants to completely change size. No. She's like, why don't again. we just throw the ball? It might be a discretion thing again then. But yeah. I just think I've, after playing the amount of years I've played and how many balls that I've like 
been either hit at me and my arms are down in a natural okay, position. I, I get what you're saying, but it, I, it pause right. It's closer to discretion. discretion. The, the rule itself isn't. We don't. Isn't. We don't want to you can't allow catch the ball. And throw yeah, we don't. It. We don't want that. It, right. it changes the game entirely. It's no longer soccer. I I agree with you that there this are makes pl- me angry. there are plenty of instances where it's very clear no one is intending to have the ball hit them in their their forearm. Yeah, and it just happens to right that like you should probably just be able to play on in those circumstances right and then it's like right in front of goal and then they're like oh free kick and you're just like yeah yeah it's it's i i get i get the frustration to that i understand Mm. it but again the problem's not the rule it's It's the the discretion it's the discretion that we're talking about and we don't we don't want the handball rule to go Well, maybe the rule needs more room for discretion again i i ask you do you want the officials in any sport to really have more room for discretion. If it benefits my team, you're damn That's right. That's the I problem. <laughs> it ain't always going to benefit your team. And there's going to be a time where you think they're calling it a certain way and a time where you think you We already have that problem yeah, with Yeah, we fouls, already do that. Right? Yeah. Like, we already have plenty of those problems. Less in baseball, obviously, but more in other sports where, like, boy, it really seems like you're calling the game a certain way down here and not the same way down here. Really weird how that works out. Paul and Ovilando had a good one. Which one? Um, where he said it's an unearned run if a pitcher makes an error. Okay, but that's more of a statistic thing than it is a rule. You know what I mean? Like that's not a like yes. If I'm if I'm a if the pitcher makes the error, I don't disagree with you. Like he should probably have the run credit against him. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, that's not about the gameplay. It's just about the way the stats are kept. That's yeah. not necessarily a rule. Um, it's just a, a stat keeping kind of yeah. a wonky stat-keeping note um, that we do it that way. I'm looking for more gameplay types of rules like that, that are just undefensible. You, you cannot come up with any reason why it's okay that this rule exists, and yet, and maybe I guess the offside thing is closer to an adjudication than it is a, or a discretion thing than it is, because I do want offsides to exist, Damn it! I'm I'm out ruling myself. Maybe well, they changed the offsides rule to cherry picking rule. Yeah, I would agree. That's what it should be. The offsides rule really should be a cherry picking rule. Mm-hmm. That's that's really what it is. It sh- there should be no offsides. There should be a cherry picking. But like, what would you make that rule? Like, how would you distinguish what's cherry picking and what's not? Um, Standing down there where everybody else is on the other side. I would s- I would say you 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 make the field thirds right. Like that once somebody's into the attacking a third, there can be no offsides right. Like. Um, like I, I would, I would use thirds in order to try to define more of offside of how the offsides rule would work. Like once, once the ball's down, the idea that there can be an offsides when everybody on the pitch is down inside the th- a third of the field, I mean, get the f out of here with that. That ain't offsides. That's not what that is. It's something else that we just accepted as being offsides because again, we like getting kicked in the nads. That's that's what it's all about. Give me yours. At Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter today. We'll talk about it. That's, that's Glenn's top five today. It wasn't really. I never got the five. But that's that's what I have for you. Cass will have a top five. And I think she'll actually get the five in hers. I think that'll be the case. Today's show is brought to you by the Baltimore Police Department. Looking for a couple of folks. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore police and make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good at bpdrecruit.org. Brian Billick is going to join us. He's got a new gig. Why? I don't know, but he's going to explain it to us. And we'll talk about some other football stuff as well. That's on the way. It is a Tuesday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. 
Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgamblinghelp.org. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. Glory Days Grill's St. Patrick's menu is now in full swing, and it's their most popular seasonal menu all year. New in 2022 are their smoky thigh wings with Guinness grilling sauce, a house-made Guinness barbecue sauce. Fan favorites also include their corned beef and cabbage, the shepherd's pie with Guinness braised ground beef, the Glory Days Reuben, and the Rachel. Enjoy a pint of Guinness or Guinness Baltimore Blonde. The St. Patrick's menu is available for the whole month of March. Come in for great food, cold beer, and basketball. Find out more about Glory Days Grill and get your order in online at glorydaysgrill.com. The newest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, we celebrate the 20th anniversary of Maryland men's basketball's 2002 NCAA Tournament Championship. As Gary Williams reflects on how the program rose from the ashes of NCAA sanctions to the pinnacle of the sport, and why his perspective of the title run has changed now two decades later. Plus, Juan Dixon, Lonnie Baxter, and the rest of the team relive the moments that ultimately led them to cutting down the nets in Atlanta. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out BuyAToyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. If you miss anything, don't forget that you can find whole shows later on Spotify, Apple, or Amazon Podcasts. It's Glenn Clark Radio. And if you missed it last night, Stan the Fan Charles caught up with Pressbox Orioles beat writer Todd Karpovich. That's available right now. Facebook.com slash Pressbox Sports. Click on the videos tab. Find it there at Pressboxonline.com slash video. This afternoon, Stan's going to catch up with uh, CIAA Commissioner Jackie McWilliams to sort of recap their first venture into Baltimore. That is coming up today. Facebook.com slash Pressbox Sports. It's been too long since we caught up with the former Super Bowl winning coach of the Baltimore Ravens. And now he's he's back at, at work. I can't believe that at this point in his life he's doing this. We're going to find out why right now as he has taken over as an offensive analyst and the advisor to the head coach out at Arizona State. He is our friend, Coach Brian Billick, and he's back with us on GCR. Coach, good morning, my friend. How are you, sir? 
Morning to you. Doing great. Um, I, I'm asking the question. It's the dumb guy question of the day. Why? You got you got a boat. You got a good life. You got grandkids. You got. Why do you want to get back in to doing anything involving day to day football work? Well, uh, some good people that, that I'm uh, obviously had a long time relationship with. Herm Edwards, I've known since the '80s and back to San Diego State days. Of course, Marvin yep. Lewis is there as in the same capacity defensively that I'm serving offensively. Donnie Henderson who was with us in Baltimore, goes back to my Utah State days. I had Donnie. Uh, he's the new defensive coordinator. Glenn Thomas, who, who worked with us during the summers, is the offensive coordinator. Uh, and uh, Ray uh, Anderson, who's the AD, was my longtime agent and, and lawyer. So uh, it just seemed the right thing. You know, I did the Hula Bowl uh, early in January, really enjoyed being back around the kids. That's when they reached out and wondered if I'd want to come in. It's a, it's a limited capacity. It's just kind of a general uh, advisor. Uh, help put the offensive staff together and kind of help uh, support them in any way I can. It's been great to be around the kids. It's college football, like all its college athletics, is it's a changing landscape now with the NIL money and uh, uh, the, the the ability to jump uh, through the portal. Um, it's a totally different landscape. Um, I, I'm not sure it's good for college football, but it is what it is. And it's been great being back around the young people. What's uh, what's your life look like now, Coach? Are you, how often are you out there? Are you are you moving out there? Like what what's the the game plan for the family? Uh, no, I just I go back and forth, kind okay. of a shuttle diplomacy. I'm heading out there this week. We're in the middle of spring practice. Uh, of course, I'll be back maybe the first week in, uh, uh, in when training camp begins, and I'll pick and choose some of the games that I'm around. It really is I'm more I'm more coaching coaches than players, frankly. And uh, obviously with the technologies now and the way that I can interact with them by getting game, I get to practice film every day, uh, have the full, of course, I've always had the college film via my uh, work with the NFL Network, but now it's a much more detailed coach's version of it. And um, so it's more of a, like I said, it's more of an advisory capacity and I kind of come and go during the course of the year. You haven't attempted to like maybe bring Todd or, or, or Terrell back onto the staff, have you? You haven't tried to make those phone calls. <laughs> well, it'd be great. We'd love to have them come in and spend time with the players. You know, anytime you can get someone of that stature, because that's what these players covet. They, they covet going to the league and then to have former ASU players come and, and talk to them about uh, what's entailed, what it, what it takes, what the price is, so to speak in terms of the, the commitment and the energy and the level that you've got to go. Uh, uh, I talked with Todd. I would love to have him come out and spend some time with the players. I mean, I, boy, I loved it. I, I, I lived out there for two years before I ended up back at NST, Coach, and I tell you, man, it's it, there's nothing better than March in Arizona. It is about it's all you good. can have. Right now that I'm in the golf, I, I do take my clubs with me, so I can't say that I'm not uh, not taking advantage. Where, where, of well. where have you Where have you been able to play out there? Where'd you get? Where'd you uh, get all over. Played up at Troon. Played at nice. Greyhawk. Uh, nice. Went out to Camelback the other day when I was out there. Uh, been out. To, there's just so many uh, choices. Been out to the Biltmore. Uh, it's just so many different options. You're right. Weather in February and March is pretty good. Man, it is it is a good place to be in the whole world. Plus, you go out to see some spring training baseball while you're there. I used to schedule my week around it, man. It was it was the time of my life. Um, it, it, is this like the extent that you'd be willing to do it? Is there some part of you that's like, man, you know, I don't know. Maybe I'd maybe I would do a little bit more day to day coaching if the opportunity. Or is is this exactly what you're looking for and probably the extent of what you want to do? Yeah, this is this is it. it. It gives me still the latitude to do what I'm going to do. Head back up to the cabin in the summer, and I get out on the golf course, and but still stay close to it, uh, looking at the film. And like I said, kind of advising the coaches, giving them whatever input that I can, help kind of point them in the right direction. And uh, so from that standpoint, and still be around the kids to a degree. So 
yeah, it's it's a good balance for me. That's awesome. He is Coach Brian Billick. He's with us here on Glenn Clark Radio. Uh, Coach, you know, it's a hot-button issue this week is uh, – well, actually, the Will Smith thing, but I'm not going to ask you about that. I'm going to ask you about overtime. Um, I 1,000% am in the camp of – I get the defense matters. Why would we only make one team play defense? That that we it, The most fair thing to do is have both teams have to play all three facets of the game before you decide what a winner is. Where are you in terms of what you now you're at the college level where they have a completely different concept for what overtime should be in football? Where are you with what overtime should look like in the most fair way possible and what's best for the NFL? Well, I understand people wanting to have that balance, particularly in light. And you know, there's always going to be a couple games, there's the playoff games, which are just fabulous games. And, and, and yes, you know, for Buffalo, it's a, there's a certain frustration as a fan. To, for them not to have the opportunity to put the offense back on the field and and see what they could have done. So uh, you still, every time you do something like that, particularly during the course of the season, you lengthen the game. And that's what nobody wants. So from that standpoint, I can see them leaving the way it is. But the fans seem to want it, and uh, I don't think it's going to make that big a difference. There, there is going to be some additional balance to it. So I'm okay with it. I'm in a weird place because I don't I... – from a from a fan perspective, I don't every I always hear well you can't have the games go any longer, and all I can think to myself is why not? Who's turning them off? Like you only get one game a week. Nobody is saying eh, we're three and a half hours in. I'm sorry, I gotta go. This is just the way that it works. I and I get why what the argument internally is it's so physically taxing. We just don't want these guys having to do that much more of it. It, would it be would it be a fair trade off to say maybe we do it a certain way during the regular season and a different way in the playoffs that hey let's not extend the games any longer in the regular season but hey when we get to the playoffs we we need to do what the absolute most fair thing is in order to try to, to determine a winner of a football game. Yeah, I, I can see you doing that. I mean, you change it anyway. I mean, I'm not one for having one set rule in the playoffs and a different during the uh, regular season. But we already have that because obviously during the regular season, the game can end in the top. Right. And you would go so far with it. Where in the playoffs, you just can't do it that way. So, uh, but I'd be more, if you're going to change it, change it. Do both sides, regular season, postseason. And I, I don't think it's going to have that much. I mean, how often does it really come up? Uh, and there is a certain equity to it. And it seems to be what the fans want. And that's why I think it's the best thing for everybody involved. It is interesting to me that there's so much pushback, right? Like, we are John this week, Mike Tomlin this week. Like, it's 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 interesting to me that internally there's so much pushback. Do you have a sense for why coaches would be so opposed to, to making this type of change? Well, just because they tend to be conservative in the sense of, you know, what, what are we changing here? Why are we changing at all? You know, if, if you look at the coaches that play the game – Every game would be at 1 o'clock on a Sunday. Right. Uh, no fans. Right. Uh, they kind of love the code idea, you know, in terms of that it's programmable. I don't want to play Sunday night games. I don't want to play Monday night games. I don't want to play Thursday games. I'm creature of uh, routine. You know, that's just kind of the way coaches look at it. That's a very fair point, right? And I, I mean, by the way, a lot of the players are the same way when it comes to when you schedule those games. They're like, man, I don't want those Sunday night games. Give me give me the normalcy. Give me the – I don't want to wait around in a hotel all day for a football game. That doesn't make any sense at all. I'm, 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 I kind of am with them in terms of that. 
Um, Coach Brian Billick is with us here on GCR. Coach, can you give me any insight of of what it might look like? You know, right now in Baltimore, the, the Lamar Jackson's contract is kind of hanging over everything in this organization. I know you can't speak to that specifically, but does that impact like do any of those things that are a big deal on the outside? Do they impact day to day business at all? Do, like when 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 you go to work, when you get ready for a season, is it something that people within the building? Other than you know Pat Moriarty and 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 that crew, Ozzy, and of course Eric DaCosta, is it something that affects the rest of the building in any way? Or are you completely able to block those types of things out and just prepare for a season? No, I don't think so in this case because everybody knows the deal is going to get done at some point. Uh, they're not going to let Lamar Jackson leave. There's a total commitment to him. They understand what the money is. You have to sort through how's that going to affect our team. You see it all the way around. Uh, we see a. Uh, you know, a, a, a Green Bay Packer team rightfully maintaining Aaron Rodgers while the cost is Devontae Adams, okay? And those are the tough decisions that you have to make. That's what they're having to go through right now. They're going to pay Lamar. So from that standpoint, it's not. Now, if it's in a building where, like it was in Cleveland, where, well, are we going to pay Baker Mayfield or right. not? It turned out they ended up with a pretty good Deshaun Watson. But, yeah, when there's a question about, are you going to keep this guy? Are you going to pay the bill? Then, yeah, then that's one that can kind of consume the building. What do you make of – there's this stat that exists, Coach, that says that no no team has ever won a Super Bowl with a single quarterback who has taken up 15% of their salary cap on that season. And it's a little bit of a wonky stat because, like, the Rams, between the money they were still on the hook for with Jared Goff and Matt Stafford, were over 20% of their cap being taken by the quarterback position a year ago. But this still exists, that no quarterback, no individual quarterback taking up 15% of a team's salary cap has ever won a Super Bowl. Does that – people use that as the argument that – you never pay. You, we just this. You're 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 setting yourself up for failure as a franchise by choosing to pay any quarterback this amount of money. It doesn't work. You should just go back and try to draft another quarterback until this system gets fixed. What do you make well, of that argument? That's tough. That's tough because at the end of the day, we know that it's a quarterback-driven league. When you've got a guy that's special, you got to keep him. I mean, would you advocate not paying Patrick Mahomes? No. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, Aaron Rodgers, no, no. You, you have to. And even though the cap's up to, what, $208 million now. Um, and, and those numbers will go in flux because it's a new, new day. Uh, and at some point, someone will win with the commitment of the quarterback at that point. But that's exactly the discussions that Baltimore's having right now. We're going to pay Lamar Jets. Now, how do we do it in a way that doesn't strap us to the point where we can't support them with good players around them? Because Lamar doesn't want that either. So that's, that's the balance. It's not a matter of, are we going to commit the funds? Do we want Lamar here? That's, that's a given. It's different from what we saw in Cleveland. It's how do we do it if we don't put ourselves in that position that you're talking about? You know, it's interesting you say, because it feels like the conversation is, well, you know, you can't pay Lamar Jackson Patrick Mahomes money. He's not Patrick Mahomes. But I just think we know that's not how this works in the NFL any longer. If you have a quarterback and you identify that you've got your quarterback, it, it sort of doesn't matter where he ranks amongst the top three, four, five, whatever it is. This is the amount you're going to have to pay him. That's the price of having a quarterback in this league, which, again, I think we all agree is the only way that you really have a chance at this point in the NFL. You do, and you have to give Cleveland credit for making the decision that, no, we're not going to commit that amount of a cap 
to a player, meaning Baker Mayfield, that we're not sure can be is that special. Uh, I mean, the Ravens can look at it with Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco deserved the contract he got. Make no mistake, it was a huge part of why they were strapped and were minus the playoffs for however many years that was after he got the, the contract in the Super Bowl years. That, 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 that is you know, cause and effect. So, yeah, that's the business side of it that every team in the NFL has to balance. Well, and the thing that we always say, you're going to have to, you can't fail. You know, one of the issues, the Ravens had like the maybe the worst four-year stretch of drafting that they had ever had, in, you know, for a franchise that's done so well, obviously, in drafting. The Matt Elams of the world and the Terrence Brookses of the world, those years following Joe Flacco's contract, it, it was it was poisonous that that happened to be when you drafted poorly because once you do that, you're going to need to hit in terms of the draft picks that you make. Yeah, it's a tentative balance, and every team is having to deal with it, and you go in cycles. Uh, we're going to see some of these, uh, you know, at some point, Joe Burrow is going to have to get paid. Oh, my God. Cincinnati. Right. Uh, in, in what is now what may be the best quarterback division in the in the uh, NFL. Yeah, when, when you're talking about, obviously, with Lamar and Joe Burrow, and now you're throwing Deshaun Watson. We'll see what Pittsburgh does for the first time without uh, 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 Roethlisberger. But it's still, that's a pretty good quarterback division. Those poor, lowly, moribund Pittsburgh Steelers, as you know, Coach, we're really feeling sorry for them right now and everything they're going through and their, their, their quarterback Well, situation. yeah, this is the first time Tomlin's been without, uh, without Roethlisberger in terms right. of going in and, you know, his entire tenure there, which has been brilliant. But it's, he's, had, he's had the quarterback position stable. It helps. For his entire tenure there. Now, now we'll find out. Imagine you know a thing or two about how might it might help to have a quarterback uh, like that that you can count on over your time, Coach. Obviously, Arizona State. Is there anything else we can plug for you? Anything else that you got no, going no, on? No, life's good. Just uh, chasing the grandkids, enjoying uh, learning the game of golf, and uh, and and uh, being an interactive with uh, ASU. Uh, it's been great. That's awesome, Coach. We wish you the best of luck out there. It's neat to see you back involved in the game again. Always appreciate you taking the time for us. Thanks for doing it. Let's chat again soon, all right? Sounds great. Coach Brian Billick, former Super Bowl-winning head coach of the Baltimore Ravens, checking in with us here on GCR. Appreciate him taking a couple of minutes for us this morning. Um, you know, I, I think it makes sense him saying, hey, look, I, I can be involved but not have to be involved every day. That's a that's a totally reasonable um, way to go about getting uh, back into football at this yeah. point in his life. It still allows him to be around the game, but still do the things that he wants to do and be. Uh, and he's still kind of like semi-retired. You don't you know have to I mean? be there all the time. Yeah. You're just you're. And I, I think it's like having a, nieces and nephews instead of uh, sons and daughters. It is a little bit like that, sure, right? Like you get the feel of what it's like to have kids, but then you know when they start pooping, you hand them back to the person that's got to deal with it, and you say, "This is not my problem. They're your child." I didn't let my sister get away with that. I said, you're holding them. You got to go deal with it. <laughs> or I would try to come up, ah, I really got to take a phone call. Can you, uh, you mind, you mind taking this one for me? You mind doing that? Answer was regularly yes. Yes, she did. <laughs> Just the way that it worked. All right, thanks again to Brian Billick for taking a couple minutes for us this morning. Hey, know the risks and have a plan before you start gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. It is a Tuesday morning. Every Tuesday morning, we spend a few minutes talking college sports with our friend, Mr. Patrick Stevens. Of course, at Discourse, D1S Course. On Twitter is how you follow him, Washington Post, USA Lacrosse Magazine. He's back with us on GCR. Good morning, sir. How are you? I am well, Glenn. How are you doing? 
I'm all right. Um, you know, obviously, interesting the way this all worked out is this sort of crazy tournament ends up with four blue bloods in the final four. Just kind of a goofy thing that Carolina was an eight seed, and this isn't the first time they've done this. Is it feels to me at the moment like at this point the biggest stretch of the four teams to try to win a title is probably Villanova without Justin Moore, considering how flimsy their depth was to begin with am i being too dismissive of them is there some world where given how they play defense they could still figure out a way to win two more games yeah and, and given how they play offense too i mean i i do think there is you know some recent precedent for looking at what happens to villanova when you take out one of their guards which is you go back to the big east tournament last year and colin gillespie's not playing that's fair Suddenly they lose to Georgetown, and they sort of open the floodgates for, for that random run for the Hoyas, right. even though that was Georgetown's second victory of that tournament. That was really the thing that, that got them going there. And, and so I, I do think that, like you say, with the depth issue, and, and frankly, all of these teams have depth issues. Uh, I think Kansas is probably the one out of the four that maybe doesn't have as much, but you know, Carolina had some early injuries, and, and they've kind of shorn their uh, their rotation down a bit, and, and Duke has not played very many guys in general uh, for the last 15 years, it feels like. So you look at that, I, I think all of them have depth issues. Uh, you know, I think one of the big stories of this tournament is, is teams suddenly going cold from the outside. Mm-hmm. And so to me, that's the big question. If Villanova has one of those games, whether and that's you know, somewhat Justin Moore related, but probably somewhat not related. I think that's as big a concern as anything for them. Uh, just you know, do they do they go cold like Houston went cold against them the other day? And, and obviously, Villanova had something to do with that. If Villanova goes cold against Kansas, Kansas will probably have something to do with that. But it feels like we've seen more of those games than normal in this tournament, where you suddenly look up and there's a team that's three of twenty-two from three or yep. one of sixteen from three, and all of a sudden, well, that's. That's the end of you for this tournament. Right. And it's not even like they're forcing bad looks. They're getting good looks and just they're not just not making it. Right. Yeah, it's it, you know, and it's it's I throw that defensive caveat in there, but but in reality, there's a lot of teams that have just missed a lot of shots in this tournament. That's a great point. It's a very good point. Um is is it more surprising that Carolina is doing this or was it more surprising that they were so mediocre during the course of the regular season? Well, let's be clear about what happened to Carolina over the course of the regular season. Um, some of it was a function of having not played a ton of great teams, and yeah. the ones that they did play, it wasn't so much that they were mediocre, it's that they got run off the floor. Right. I mean, they got run off the floor by Tennessee by 17. They lost by almost 30 to Kentucky. They lost by a bunch, 28 down at Miami. They got run by 22 at Wake Forest. And so they had all that happen, plus a couple closer losses to Purdue and Notre Dame. No, these are all good teams that they lost to. The problem was that they just hadn't really beaten anybody of note other than Michigan. Uh, and so from that point forward, you know, they, they played pretty well from, from late January on. They went from 12 and 6 to 23 and 8. Um, they had the one bad loss to Duke or to Pitt and the one great victory at Duke. So, uh, you know, I, I think some of it, they were probably weighed down a little bit by just the nature of this year's ACC. Uh, you know, they played NC State twice. They played Louisville twice. Uh, you know, they played Boston College twice. And so you start running into that problem where, oh, wait, you know, th- things aren't exactly, they played Georgia Tech twice. So they, they played four of the teams 
that we're playing on the first day of the ACC tournament, which isn't quite Notre Dame level of playing all six, but there just weren't as many opportunities for them to distinguish themselves. And aside from that pit game, they really didn't do anything bad the entire season. So I, I kind of felt like they were a team, even after that, that, first, that Duke loss in early February, it's like, well, you know, they've largely done what they were supposed to do. And the problem that they had was that they were just getting drubbed by some, by some really good teams. And so obviously they've improved some, but I don't know if they're dramatically better okay. uh, than they, than what they were. And, and you know what, you know, offensively that they've, they've been pretty good for the most part throughout the season. I think defensively were maybe the area of some of the greater concern. They're giving up 98 to Kentucky, giving up 85 to Miami, giving up 98 to Wake, giving up 87 to Duke. Uh, and I think that they've tightened up on that end of the floor as much as anything else. I think it's fair. Um, it 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 seems like, and you of course would tell me from. It seems like Brady Manick has raised his game another level. Yeah, I think that's fair to say, and I, I think that that is you know one of the one of the benefits of having these fifth year guys. Right. You know that that's another one of these guys that is that has been around a while, uh, and you look at what he's been able to do really. Um, if you go back, I guess the last game of, uh, the last game of February, he dropped 22 on Syracuse and he's now had four 20 point games since then, uh, five 20 point games, sorry. And then the 19 point game against St. Peter's. So he has made a major difference. And I think the other thing that's happened there is there was almost a, you know, a necessity uh, of that happening is that was about the time uh, that Dawson Garcia announced that he, he wasn't going to be back at all this season. He was, I think he had, it, that was not until about mid-February when that was finalized. He hadn't played since January 22nd. And so it became a matter of, well, this is, you know, if you're Brady Manick, you're, you're going to have to do something. Like I mentioned, him and, him and Anthony Harris, or Garcia and Anthony Harris both, uh, being out here has sort of limited the depth for Carolina. Uh, but Manick obviously, uh, really stepping in to be a great complement on the interior, not really on the interior, but in the front court to Armando Baycott. You think about all those all those great Carolina teams under Roy Williams, and they mm-hmm. usually had two big guys. Well, I mean, Manic's not a traditional big guy, obviously, yeah. uh, but it, when you have two guys that that can score it, and they're both six nine, six ten, six eleven, seven foot, you know that that that's an echo of, of what you're used to seeing from Carolina. He is Patrick Stevens. He's with us here on Glenn Clark Radio. Patrick, the uh, the folks out in Vegas have established Duke as the favorite going into the weekend. It feels like what what they're saying is if these teams play as well as they can, Duke probably is the team that has the most of these four, given their top-end talent. I, I would imagine that maybe some of these other teams spend a little bit more time uh, practicing against the zone that was so effective for Duke <laughs> these last couple of games, but... It, it does feel like of the four teams that are there, the team that has the most, and if everybody plays as well as they're capable of playing, Duke is probably the best of the four? Yeah, I think they've got the highest ceiling of the four. Yeah. Um, it's worth noting that you're not exactly talking about bad shooting teams that they're encountering here either. I mean, they're all in the 35 36% range from three-point range. Uh, and it's also worth noting that we're, we're not even a month removed away from Carolina having four guys go off for 20 points at Cameron. So uh, this is, uh, you know, just four weeks later, uh, getting another crack at it. Uh, in, in some ways, it, it reminds me a little bit of, uh, of like a lesser version of those Maryland Duke games from 2001 where they were just so good for the most part. And then, uh, obviously the, the met in the final four. Uh, those first two Duke Carolina games weren't necessarily so good. 
uh, a 20 point game and then just Carolina unloading right. on Duke. But I, I, I don't think Duke's so good that none of those three teams can beat them. I mean, we talked of about course. depth a little bit earlier. Uh, Carolina's already proven it can beat them. And I think Kansas is probably the steadiest team of the whole lot. Uh, that said, if we see a version of Duke like we saw in the second half of both of the last two games and in the last five minutes of that Michigan State game, that's going to be awfully difficult to beat. I mean, they, they, they I think they shot better than 50% for the Nuts. game against Arkansas. They shot 70% in the second half against Texas Tech. Uh, it's a it's a Duke team that has figured things out at the offensive end and is doing enough at the defensive end. I think probably a little too much is made of, of the of the switch to zone and whatnot. And like like you allude to, all it's going to take is somebody being able to knock two or three threes down to say that enough of that. Right. Uh, I I think somewhat too that's that's a, a factor there is the reason you switch to zone is is so that you don't get mauled inside. Uh, Carolina presents the possibility that you do that to try to keep away the ball away from Baycott. I don't know if you see that against either a Kansas or a Villanova in a potential title game, just because of where the strengths of those two teams. Lie. Sure, and the more on the perimeter. I mean, that makes sense. That makes all the sense in the world. All right, um, stay on the basketball front. Of course, we obviously spent so much time talking about Maryland, and and that was 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 overwhelming. For the, is there anything else as far as the coaching carousel is concerned that? is particularly interesting to you, like a particularly interesting fit somewhere or a, a job that we don't realize is still available at this point? Is there anything <laughs> else that maybe we haven't been paying attention to because we've been so you know, overwhelmed by the Maryland situation that we, we kind of maybe missed it? Well, first of all, that Seton Hall job is still open, wink, wink. Right, yes, um, it's going, they're going to have a new coach, and it's, it appears to be a pretty good one. I think I, I think we know who that's going to be. There, there's a couple things that stand out. We talked about Dennis Gates a few weeks back, mm-hmm. uh, and he ended up at Missouri, which I thought was a was a really really good choice for them. Uh, you know, Frank Martin resurfacing at UMass, and Archie Miller resurfacing at Rhode Island. You know, I think I think both of those schools have basically have basically done their part to help re-strengthen the A10 there a bit. Steve Prom, the former Iowa State coach, gets a reunion at, at Murray State. Uh, as they head into the Missouri Valley, so, so that's one that stands out. Our old friend Gigi Smith, which this is obviously in February, but he got elevated to the head coaching that's job right. at High Point after his dad, Tubby Smith, retired. Uh, and, uh, you know, those those are things that kind of stand out to me uh, when you look across the entire landscape at this point. You know, obviously there's a handful of jobs, like you say, still open at this stage. I forgot to mention Sean Miller. He's at Xavier. You know, it's, it's sort of a reunion yeah, year. Sean that, Miller that, back that to Xavier. That was weird. Sean Miller to Xavier, Steve Prom to, to Murray State. I feel like there was another one. Some, oh, Ed Conroy to the Citadel. That's sort of under the radar. But another guy that's returning to a job that he had previously. Who got? So, remind me who ended up at South Carolina? Lamont uh, Paris, that right? the Chattanooga yeah. coach, Lamont Paris. Yeah. So the jobs that are open now, besides Seton Hall, that that would that you would say are in leagues where it's possible to get an at-large bid. Uh, San Diego is still open in the West Coast Conference. Uh, LaSalle is open still. Uh, George Washington still That's open. That's right. Uh, and then uh, you know, if you really want to stretch the definition, you know, I don't think the MAC has had a has had an at-large team in a long while, but Miami of Ohio is open as well. All right, um, and Western Michigan, for that matter. On the lacrosse front, um, things that interest me. I know you were at Loyola on Saturday. Is is that about given the Ivy League is back this year? Is that about the end 
of Loyola's hopes of getting in at large? Is there any path to them if they beat Georgetown of still having that chance? Or are they going to need to win the Patriot League tournament? It, it might be. It might be a scenario where let's say Duke gets hot and that value that victory becomes more valuable, and Loyola wins out to a title game and they beat Lehigh and they beat Georgetown along the way and BU for that matter, which is probably going to be a somewhat useful victory. Yeah, maybe. A Loyola that gets itself to what would that be? That'd be what five, six, seven more wins. So a ten and six Loyola team might have a chance, but I, I don't see I don't see how they can trip up much more than just in, in a in a Patriot League tournament scenario. I, I think that their wiggle room is just about done at this point. You know, you know, just kind of watching them on Saturday. Uh, you know, they had their chances to kind of create some separation from Army. They didn't do it. Yep. And then Brendan Nick Turn just took over in the second half. He was, it, was a, it was certainly a great moment for him to be able to set Army's program record for career points. And think about this. You know, you usually have these things. So many of these records this year are being set by guys that have, are in their fourth-and-a-half season right. or whatever, fifth-year right. guys. This is a guy that's in his fourth season and had obviously the pandemic year cut in half. So this is sort of this is almost an apples to apples comparison for those guys that were playing in the 50s and 60s and only had three seasons to play because of the freshman eligibility rule. That that's how good Brendan Nickturn has been is is that not only does he compare favorably to guys that played like in 2002, but but also favor really favorably to those guys that, that would have played 60s when in those years where Army was a, a national title contender. I, no doubt, no doubt, and um, you know they don't do fifth years at Army. That's the way that it works. There's no doubt about it. All right, Patrick Stevens, let's uh, let's play our game. Can Patrick Stevens name the MLB teams that this particular player has played for? We're back to the more of the the ball buster uh, when we talk about five team guys. So I'm trying my best to find somebody that maybe you have a shot at. This particular player managed to pick for, uh, pitch for five teams. Without a single one-year stop in there, okay. I'll give you a shot. He's only a one-time All-Star, and there are four two-year stops involved. <laughs> um, Jason Beret is the first name on our list this week. And how many teams is this again? Five teams. Five teams. Well, Jason Beret was definitely a White Sox. Most certainly. And he was definitely a Cleveland Indian. Most certainly. And now things get tricky for yeah. Jason Beret. Um. Did he end up with the Cubs? He did end up with the Cubs. Well done. Okay. So two more for Jason Bure, huh? You got a stop. Uh, in fact, it's you. You have gotten the front and the back ends. Okay. So in in between, from ninety, he was a, a trade deadline acquisition from one team in ninety eight that he stayed with for ninety nine. Then he got traded again at the trade deadline in ninety nine and stayed with that team. Through 2000. For 2000. Okay. So, um, vaguely thinking maybe St. Louis? No. But, oh, man. I don't, I don't want to say anything. How about Kansas City? No. Oh, oh. You, you, you were right. Oh, he was, he was a red, wasn't he? He was a red. Exactly okay. right. You were right geographically. You had the exact right idea. And, in fact, the other one, the Brewers. Everything Brewer. was in the Midwest. Everything for Jason Bray was in the Midwest. Still, that's pretty freaking good for Jason Bray that you even went over 500. So I'm going to give you credit for that. 
And, uh, oh man, I'll make me, make me change my mind about where we go with the four-team guy. How about this one? How about Dontrell Willis as our four-team guy? Dontrell Willis. Wow. Um, so he was definitely a Marlin. Obviously. And he was definitely a Detroit Tiger. Most certainly was. And then, yes, there were two one-year stints at the back end. Am I thinking he was in Houston? No. All right. Maybe this was more difficult than I I apologize. Was I thought, he in Atlanta? No. It was it was Arizona and Cincinnati were the two one-year stops at the end for Dontre. I apologize. That's on me. I should have given you an easier one for that. He was in spring training with the Orioles once. That did happen. That was a thing that occurred, but does not count for the sake of our game. you got to have actually pitched somewhere. Uh, Patrick, what's on the schedule for you this week, sir? There is, there is nothing going on around here this weekend. That's interesting. It's amazing. Really interesting there, how that na- works. Na- Navy, Navy, Loyola, UMBC, Maryland, Hopkins, uh, Mount Ta- St. Mary's, Georgetown, all on the road. Towson's on the road. Everybody's on the road. So real I will be, I w- there is nothing on the docket for me. All right. At Discourse, D1S Course on Twitter, of course, is how you follow. And Patrick Stevens, always appreciate you, my friend. Thank you for doing it. We'll talk to you next week. Awesome. Take care. Patrick Stevens checking in with us as he does every Tuesday here on GCR. You know what just struck me? Who is calling, right? That's that's what I want to know. I don't I assume this goes over the air that people can hear that somebody else is calling the, the beep, in. Yeah, we I, only I no we only idea. have one line here. It's it's been a problem that's existed for a very long time that we just never solved. I'm sorry. Is there any chance that the person that was scheduled to call in tomorrow at eleven o'clock? called in today not knowing that it was going to be canceled like just screwed it up on their schedule called in without realizing that we had maybe canceled is there any chance that's what just happened i mean there's always a chance and i wish if it had been we would have answered the phone because we would have just done it yeah it just struck me as we were finishing that like as i'm trying to figure out who might have been calling maybe maybe i always just assume it's ron and owings mills but I don't know what Ron would be calling about today. I don't know what he, he Ron's bitching about the Knicks. I don't you know he and I don't talk about the Knicks. That's not a thing. Ron calls when it's Ravens or, or Maryland basketball related. That's what gets him going. Mm-hmm. I was thinking maybe it's our eleven twenty caller calling early. Oh, I thought we were calling. I'm pretty sure we're calling him. Oh, yeah. I'm I assumed sure he, I case. wasn't given the number. I assumed he was. Oh, no, we got, it was in the text last night. <laughs> I'll have to really. Yeah. <laughs> I I sent it to both of you. <laughs> um, I we're at some point going to have to talk about it. We, as I mentioned to you guys a couple times, scheduled to have one of the more significant guests in the history of the show join us tomorrow. I don't have a great feeling about that happening. That's all I can say. I don't have a great feeling about that happening. And it's a bummer. And once I know more definitively, I will, I'll share what I can share with you guys about it. But as of last night, I don't think it's going to happen. And that's not on the, the person. It's it's on us. It's on us and a decision that we are going to make um, just about um, journalism and what we're comfortable with doing and what we're not comfortable with doing. And, and we had a guest that was presented to us, but then there were qualifications that were given to it. And, you know, we, we can't do that. So... That's all. That's all I can say for right now. I promise. I, I'm not going to hide it from you guys. I'll explain it more once we know whether or not it's definitively going to happen. But I would just say, unfortunately, that thing that we've been teasing, there's a reason why we didn't say who it was because I kind of always knew there was a chance that something like this would occur. And um, 
In fact, I, I literally used verbatim the verbiage that we the verbiage we got. I verbatim said to to Paul and the cast last week. I think there's a real chance that we're gonna get that this is gonna play out this way. Like I think there's a real chance that this is gonna play out this way. Um, so you know, I I don't mean to be so vague. I don't mean to be vague booking with you, but you know, I'm trying to be as honest as I can without. I want to know something definitively before I I make it public. So just don't have a good feeling about that, unfortunately. But we'll still have a huge guest for you tomorrow because Drew Forrester will join us on tomorrow's show. Emphasis on huge. (laughs) (laughs) He had it coming. It's not okay. (laughs) Today's show also brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. We'll be back next Monday night for the title game. Myself, Rodney Elliott, hanging out with you in the FanDuel Sportsbook with great giveaways, uh, betting advice, things along those lines. Hope that you will come and join us for that. It's always a good time to be in the FanDuel Sportsbook. 61 self-service kiosks. They're open 24-7, so no matter what you're betting on, you can bet it in the FanDuel Sportsbook at any hour of the day at Live Casino in Hotel Maryland. We'll come back in, cast us top five, then Fats Russell is going to join us. That's on the way, Glenn Clark Radio. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich, hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Answering Baltimore's calls for help. Running in when others run away. Working together toward one shared vision for a thriving city. That's your Baltimore police. But the department needs more good people. People like you. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore police and make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good at bpdrecruit.org. Sports betting has come to Maryland, and we're ready to help you win some money. Tune in for Simply the Bets with Glenn Clark and Paul Valley every Tuesday morning at 1140. Fandle Sportsbook GM Bruce Billick and VEASAN's Aaron Oster join the guys every week to give you all of the info you need and even a few winners. So come win some money with us on Simply the Bets every Tuesday at 1140 a.m. Brought to you by the Fanduel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com radio. Watch at YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. Glory Days Grill's St. Patrick's menu is now in full swing, and it's their most popular seasonal menu all year. New in 2022 are their smoky thigh wings with Guinness grilling sauce, a house-made Guinness barbecue sauce. Fan favorites also include their corned beef and cabbage, the shepherd's pie with Guinness braised ground beef, the Glory Days Reuben, and the Rachel. Enjoy a pint of Guinness or Guinness Baltimore Blonde. The St. Patrick's menu is available for the whole month of March. Come in for great food, cold beer, and basketball. Find out more about Glory Days Grill and get your order in online at glorydaysgrill.com. Baseball is back. I'm Paul Valley and I'm Zach Goodman. You can find us live every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon talking all things Orioles and Major League Baseball. Like the debuts of Adley Rutschman and Grayson Rodriguez. And how the rotation and bullpen are rounding into form. Watch us live at youtube.com slash pressboxonline and facebook.com slash pressboxsports. Or you can listen at pressboxonline.com slash radio. That's the Bat Around live with the latest in baseball coverage every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon. 
Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. We can't imagine why you'd want to, but you can watch GCR live. It's at facebook.com slash pressboxsports. And try to guess whether these guys are wearing any pants. All right, back in here on GCR into hour number two of the program. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. All right, Papa Cass, you got a theme for this week's top five for us? Yeah. Oh, uh-huh. so what about that? I, it's <laughs> a concerning giggle. No, it's nothing bad. It's actually like it's just the reason it's kind of funny. So I was like stressing over school this past weekend. Okay. And I was really upset, so I went and bought like a tub of ice cream. I ate the whole thing, right? Okay. So I'm thinking I was going to do my top five like ice cream flavors, but one of them's a bit more odd that like I bet no one's ever tried. And it's mm. really good though. Sriracha. No. N- mac and, They did a mac and cheese ice cream like two years ago. Ew, right? no. I mean, that's the way I would react. <laughs> no. What is it? Okay, so it comes in five. Is this is this five. your is your list ice cream flavors? Yes. Oh, okay. It's top five ice cream flavors. Okay. Remember, start at five. Starts at five. Yes. Okay, this oh, is... Oh, hang on. Cass's top five is brought to you this week by Underdog Fantasy Football. Always a lot of fun playing Underdog Fantasy Football. You know, you can't bet still on your phone or on your computer in the state of Maryland, but you can play Underdog Fantasy Football, feel like you're betting with player props, parlays, those types of games. They also have the regular daily, weekly fantasy games available to you. Underdogfantasy.com or download the Underdog app. And when you make your first deposit up to $100, use the code PRESSBOX and we'll match it with free money for you to play with Underdog Fantasy Football. All right, number five. Okay, number five is spinach ice cream. What? It's actually so good. Where would you even get that? <laughs> I was in this like, is like a trick that I play on my kids where I'm like, I'm going to take you out for ice cream. No. They're like, yeah, I'm like, yeah, spinach ice cream. <laughs> I tried it in like high school or like middle school. I can't remember. Um, and we we're at Costco and it was like looking like a boss, though, dressed in head to toe Costco. And then I walked around. We were doing all the food samples, and the guy was like, "Try spinach ice cream. But who made it? Like what company made the spinach I ice cream? I don't know the company. I could not tell you that. But it's really good. Like, it's actually probably, like, amazing. Is it, though? But is it? My whole family loved it. Me, my sister, my mom, my dad. Let me see if I can't do a little reconnaissance here. Reconnaissance. Uh, Spinach ice cream. Uh, I I mean, there's a bunch of people that... uh, Apparently, it's it's a fairly common flavor. There's a bunch of people sharing their own recipes for it. But I don't know who you can buy it from. You can even put like little chocolate chips in there and it tastes really good too. But does it cast? It does. does. What does it taste like? Because <laughs> if you say spinach, I'm out. There's no way that it I want my ice cream. Van Leeuwen ice cream has launched a limited edition bright green treat that's sweet and savory. Um, but that was back in May of 2019. Seems, seems L-E-E-U-W-E-N. 
It's really good, okay? I don't know. It's really good. I don't know. I could just, you know, there's other green ice creams that are just like pistachio ice cream is fine. Mint chocolate chip will will get the job done. Not for me. Spinach? No, it's not not my thing. I don't like any, by the way, this is a straight statement of fact. I don't like mint as a flavor. Mint is for freshening your breath. I don't like mint as a a savory flavor. I'm out on it. I, I like thin mints. Thin mints are an okay on, cookie. Don't don't care for the thin mints either. To be honest with you, don't care for them. I can I do better than that. I think they're good. All right, as I literally have like mints. But, but again, that's that <laughs> makes sense because it helps keep your breath fresh. True. I'm saying if I want to okay. sit down and eat some ice cream, I'm not worried about how fresh my breath is in those moments. Number four. Yeah, Cass, it's you. Um, yeah. No, I was looking. I was putting it back on my phone because it turned off. Oh. Cookies and cream. Well, who's going to argue about cookies Kay. and cream? It's a classic ice I cream know, flavor. That's a good one. That's now, a good one. I will be interested in what else is on your list, and then we might revisit cookies and cream. Okay. Because I think that there are cookies and cream-ish things that are better than cookies and cream. But we'll come back to that after I see if there are uh, any of the others on your end list. Okay, so you're not going to like this one. But mint Oreo. Not my thing. Not I love mint my Oreo. jam. I like it. Not it's my good. jam. Again, you know how I feel about mint. I'm out. Mm-hmm. I'm out on mint as an ice cream flavor. Okay. But go ahead. Okay. I'm listening. My next one is cake batter ice cream. Too sweet. So good. So it is very sweet. Because I could eat cake batter all day um, long. It was introduced to me at the uh, Stone Cold Creamery. Um, Did when, you get? St- were you stunned? Yeah, I was stunned. I walked in and I was stunned. And then Kevin Owens kicked my ass too. It was just wild. <laughs> Um, it was interesting when, uh, when I was, I've dated a lot of basic white girls in my life. Like <laughs> I have I, just a string of as basic as, as it gets. And I remember like when they first opened the stone cold creameries locally. I think you mean right? cold stone. I, no, that's the bit, Paul. Oh, oh. I, they don't pay for any advertising. Ah. We don't plug them. Yeah. This is one of those moments. That's, my that's, bad. that's the bit. When they I first opened. <laughs> hey, thank you, sir. Thank you. Appreciate it. <laughs> just stepped right all over it <laughs> well done um when they first opened the stone cold creameries my my then girlfriend at the time i was a very young man was so excited like they were a revelation to the world and i remember getting a a, a cake batter whatever with all the nonsense they put in there and i remember just thinking to myself like this might be the day that i realized this part of my life is over i'm not a sweets man in general i just don't i don't I always prefer savory to sweet in my life. It's just sort of the way that it goes any longer. Also, sweets have not, they've done a number on me over the years. I've had some issues because of uh, my interest in sweets. But I feel like that was the moment for me where I was like, this is too much. It's just too much. And then because they can mix it all in, you you keep having to put more toppings in. You're like, throw some gummy bears in. Why not? Or like, there's a hundred things in there on top of it already being cake batter ice cream. <laughs> too much, way entirely too much. I love it at Sweet Frog. Again, we don't we don't plug places that don't spend money with us. So you just gotta come up. You, you say like the frog. Yeah, or hop something. along howdies. Yeah, hop, hop along howdy. Anything you want to say. We just got don't it. plug places that understood. Yeah, right. Unless they have newsworthiness to it, in which okay. case then we. Can talk you are about saying it you don't like it. What's that? No, I don't like the, sweets the, in general. The cake, the cake batter ice cream. Uh, yeah, it's, so it's fine. Not I'm not. I'm just not plugging. We're not, we don't. We don't do plugs. And then the last one is my all like my go-to all-time fave. I get it every time. Cookie dough ice cream. Okay, so this is interesting to me. You said cookie dough ice cream. Uh huh. And then earlier, earlier you said cookies and cream. Uh huh. Why wouldn't you just get chocolate chip cookie dough ice cream? The- that that's the one seed. Briars makes a mixture of coconut, uh, 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 coconut, of cookie dough 
and cookies and cream. I sure that's that's the same concept I'm talking about. I remember that the um, it's not the same. It's just not the same. What do you mean it's not the cookies same? Cookies and cream is like Oreo based, right? Okay. Cookie dough is actual cookie. I dough. understand that. She I'm saying you, it's not the same. But you're combining them. Mm. You're putting the two things together. You're getting the best of both worlds. I don't understand. If you do chocolate chip cookie or, dough or this cookies and yeah, cream uh, cookie dough, I agree with them. But like, if you put chocolate chip cookie dough in there, it's just chocolate chip cookie dough. It's not. Does it have that? Cookies it doesn't and have cream the, the kind feel. of crunch feel to the the Oreo crumble that mm-hmm. you're talking about with cookies and cream, and I understand that, but it's still getting you both the chocolate and the cookie dough served into your mouth at the same time. Why would you limit yourself to either cookies and cream or cookie dough instead of just putting it all? Like we're, we're doing this, we're partying, we're boogieing now. Why not really go for it? Is my it. thought process. Yeah. May I, may I give my top five real quick? Quickly. Okay, so one or number five is going to be the old Walgreens brand Rocky Road. They put the little whole Very mini, specific whole about mini marshmallows in there. Ooh, Delicious. Number two is, is cookies and cream. I mean, number four is cookies and cream. Number three is Baskin-Robbins chocolate chip cookie dough. It's the best on the planet. Number two, the uh, I'm trying to think of a way that the uh, the, 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 the 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 lows. You know, because it's actually this, but I'm calling it this. That mm-hmm. store, they had a bomb chocolate chip cookie dough. They used to, when in the Clark house growing up, there was never a place in our life where there weren't two quarts of that in the house at all times. Uh, uh, Baskin Robbins, for Robbins Baskets, uh, yeah. for, for, for my yeah. money, is the best one. And then number two, Twix ice cream. And number three. I've never even heard of Twix ice cream. It's delicious. All number right. three, Ben and Jerry's Fish Food. All time greatest ice That's cream ever created, favorite. ever created, ever created, ranked. We're doing, we're doing a lot of plugging. Um, I I hear you. The only one that's missing from your guys' list that I would fight people about, butter pecan, is Ew. a twelve and a half. And you Ew. guys not understanding that makes me question your judgment. My about dad would life. agree with you, but well, he's Ew. a smart man, and I want to go fishing with him. Mm. Like that's the way it's going to have to be because he's clearly someone I want to spend more time with. I like the cut of his jib. I don't know that I care for yours the way that you're responding that's to butter pecan fine. ice cream. Butter pecan ice cream is a ten and a half. Disgusting. You're disgusting. You're disgusting. You're disgusting. I would never touch that. You couldn't pay me to eat butter pecan ice cream. Yes, I could. No, you couldn't. It had to be a lot of money. But if I offered to eat a bowl of butter pecan ice cream, I'll give you twenty bucks. I'd eat it. Exactly right. (laughs) (laughs) But I wouldn't enjoy it. Nonsense. The sake of saying nonsense. Butter pecan ice cream is a ten and a half. All right, good list, Cass. Thank you. Out of a hundred. Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. It was a good list. Cass's top five this week ice cream flavors. All right. Uh, back to sports now. As, um, of course, you know, what an interesting year it was for Maryland basketball. And, and probably a little bit of a bummer for our next guest that, that it played out the way that it did, but he was still remarkable. And that kind of has an interesting perspective to give on someone who's coming to the University of Maryland to be an assistant coach as well. Um, it's been a little while, as a sense, before the season that we had the opportunity to catch up with Fats Russell, who's with us now here on GCR. Fats, it's Glenn and Paul. It's good to chat with you, man. Thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes for us. Hey, man. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me. Absol- you know, it's always a pleasure. Absolutely, dude. Could, could you, you know, I, all the ups, the downs, the difficulties, the clearly things that you did not expect getting involved, how do you describe what your experience was like here at the University of Maryland this season? 
Um, yeah, it's definitely a, a ride full of ups and downs, you know. Um things like you said that you couldn't really expect to happen. Um, but all in all, you know, I'm I'm happy I made the decision to, you know, come to this amazing university. Um, I met, you know, a lot of great people and built a lot of great relationships. So, you know, it it looked more difficult than it was for sure. Okay. Okay. Is it the type of thing where like did did you when when we think about Maryland ten years down the road, will your feelings be more pleasant than negative? Uh yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I'm big on relationships and big on um, you know, meeting good people and it was just a university full of good people and, you know, um the fans embraced me with open arms and um you know, it was it was fun, you know, I got to play with some of my friends. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was a good experience all in all. You know, it was a difficult season, but a good experience. That Philly connection, right? We're we're hoping that we can land all the Philly guys now moving forward. <laughs> we're hoping that that's the case. Um, yeah, we need some more Philly guys up here, man. Yeah, I mean, hey, I, look, I'll take all of them. The guys like you, <laughs> I, we'll take every single one, bro. <laughs> get all of them. We're hoping to get some more of the DC and Baltimore guys too. We'd like to get all of them as well. We want that's the we just want all the good players, Fats. That's the way yeah. it's gonna have to be. We want all the good Good players, um, uh, Fats. I, you know, because I, I, I want to talk about David Cox here in a second. But if if I could, if I could, um, when when everything went down this year, were you understanding of it? Were you disappointed? Like, can you take us through what your guttural reaction was when the change was made, and and did it take time for you to adjust to? All right, it's somebody else. You know, Danny's going to lead the way. Like, did, did all of the outside noise about who the next coach might – did any of that impact you guys at all? Yeah, well, um, I think the first um, thing is, like, the, the human nature is to be disappointed. You know, you committed to, um, you know, a certain coach, and then, you know, he, you know, steps down in the beginning of the season. And, you know, that, that was a, definitely a disappointment. But, you know, soon, right after that, you just get – your mindset on, you know, trying to build with Coach Manning. And, um, you know, at first it was difficult. You know, he we didn't really, like, know. We didn't have an identity at first. You know, he was trying to implement what he wanted, and we were still kind of intelligent kind of system. Um, but, you know, after a while, I felt like we started getting the rhythm and we started figuring each other out. But, you know, the season's only but so long. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, if we had more time, I felt like we would have, you know, finally turned the corner. But, you know, things happen for a reason. And look, we started to see you guys had some pretty nice wins mixed in there, obviously. You think about that Ohio State game and that atmosphere, and that was that was really cool. Of course, Illinois as well. Like, there were definitely yeah. some good moments in there. Yeah, and we had, you know, Purdue on the ropes at Purdue. Right, right. Um, we had Wisconsin game. Um, you know, it was a lot of game, number of games where, you know, we lose about one or two or, you know, a couple possessions that we just couldn't pull through. Fats, did you end up having a conversation with Mark at all? Like after after he left, did you end up you know maybe sharing a text or or did you just sort of leave that alone at that point? Yeah, you know, I sent him a text because you know I felt I felt bad. You know, he was it looked like he was going through a lot. And, um, you know, which under which is understandable, and um, you know you just don't like seeing guys suffer. So you, um, I know he didn't want to uh, step down, but he felt like it was the best thing. So you know, I sent him a text and. Just wish them the best and and uh, wish all peace on them. And what would you say about Danny Manning as a guy? You know that that, that there's still jobs out there, right? And certainly someone mm-hmm. that has coached at a really high level now in two different conferences, um, Power Five conferences. 
What was your experience yeah. like with him as a coach? And, and do you feel like maybe one of these schools that still has a job open is making a mistake not giving him a call right now? Yeah, you know, Coach Man is, is a great coach. You know, I wish he had more time to, you know, figure it out. He kind of got thrown in the position, so he he didn't have, like, a scheme or, like, a plan to go into the season. But, um, yeah, he's a – first, first, he's a great person. You know, he taught me a lot about the game of basketball, the life. Um, you know, he's a great mentor and everything like that. But, you know, when it comes down to coaching, you know, he did a great job with us because, um, you know, any any other coach or in the country might have just let us quit. Um, you know, we fought every day in practice for him, and he made us battle. And, you know, he, he taught us a lot about ourselves and, and our team. He is Fats Russell. He's with us here on Glenn Clark Radio after he spent this past season at the University of Maryland. Um, Fats, obviously it's a unique situation for you, right? Because this coach comes in, there's, you know, Kevin Willard, there's all this fanfare, but but you're, you're out, you know? <laughs> like the, the <laughs> eligibility's up, unfortunately. Um, when you found out that David Cox was going to be part of Kevin Willard's staff, what was your initial thought? Like, were, were you trying to call about maybe seeing if you could get some more eligibility somehow? <laughs> what was your relationship like with him, and, and what's he going to bring now coming to the University of Maryland? Yeah, um, well, Coach Cox, you know, he means everything to me. You know, he, he was my coach for four, uh, yeah, four years. Um, he was the assistant the first year, and then the last three years he was um, my head coach. So, you know, our relationship is um, – you can't really describe it. We – We've been through a lot together, a lot of ups and downs, and um, you know, yeah, that's that's like um, you know, a family member to me. So to see him come here and me not be able to play for him, you know, it kind of hurt. But you know, I'm just glad he's getting the opportunity to um, you know, coach at at the University of Maryland, and um, the the type of guy you're getting is he's a competitor. Um, he's gonna do whatever it is it takes to win. Um, he's a he's a relationship uh, guy. You know, he's good with all his players. And um, he's a very good uh, player development. And, um, yeah, you know, it's, it's exciting. And, uh, you know, I'm happy for him. I'm happy for the university to um, have him. And, you know, it should, it should turn um, this program around. Was he involved with recruiting you originally, Fats? Uh, yeah, he was um, one of the main recruiters for me to go to Rhode Island. Um, coach Hurley, that's at yep. – uh, UConn right now was our coach uh, my freshman year, but um, he definitely was the head of the the recruitment process for me. And, and what was it? Was it was it was was he unique in getting you to end up making that decision to go to Rhode Island? Was was he a big factor in making that decision? Uh, yes, you know um, he came to my house a couple of times. Uh, you know his his recruiting pitch is, is definitely top tier. Um, you know he's he's relatable. Um, He's just a great person. Like you, once you talk to him, you you just want to talk to him all the time. Like you never get tired of just you know having conversations. Um, he teaches you about life. You know, you can go to him about anything. I think that's the biggest thing about him. Like I could I could go in his office and just talk about you know how I'm feeling today or you know what's going on with my personal life, and he was there to always you know be there. And, and, and be a helping hand to me. That's cool, man. That's really you're selling us really well on this, man. <laughs> you're really selling <laughs> yeah. us. Do, do you feel like this could allow you the opportunity to maybe be more involved with? Obviously, you're going to be moving on and, and doing the pro thing, and we'll talk about that. But you know, having your former coach now on staff, despite the fact that it's a different head coach, would you be more inclined to try to tell other kids like, hey, you 
you should think about coming to Maryland. I had a pretty good experience, all things being equal, and I, I happen to really like one of the assistants on the staff. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you find yourself feeling that way? Yeah, um, you know, whoever they, they ask me to or, you know, any relationship I could build with, you know, former player, I mean, um, upcoming players, I will because, first, this, this university is amazing. Um, I feel like anybody should want to come here. Wow. And then, you know, like you, like you said, um, you know, Coach Cox, he's, he's like a family member to me. So, you know, whatever he asks of me, I, will, I would do willingly. That's cool, man. That's that's really – it'd be so easy for – I hope you understand what I'm saying. Like, it would be so easy for you to be like, bro, this was not what I signed up for. Like, <laughs> I am I am not – like, I'll be a Rhode Island guy for the rest of my life. <laughs> and it would be really easy for you to just sort of say, like, dismiss this. But hearing you talk – despite everything, to hear you talk about it the way you're talking about it, man, it's a pretty powerful testament about the experience that you had at the University of Maryland, man. Yeah, um – some some people get mad because, you know, I talk about Maryland so good. But, um, you know, Rhode Island has been pretty good to me, too. But sure. I just, feel at, I just feel at home at Maryland. I feel like, you know, people didn't have to welcome me with open arms the way they did. And, um, you know, it just, it's just it been great to me. Um, I don't see why anybody would want to come here. You know, the living situation is great. And, you know, everything about this university is just top tier. So. Do, you, do you get a sense for – um, you know, some of the guys and, and, and how excited they are, you know, you, you know how this works. You know, you just went through it a year ago where, you know, the transfer portal is a real thing. Do, do you get a sense that there's excitement from, you know, the, the guys like Dante, the guys like the guys that could stick around that they want to continue to be a part of Maryland basketball? Yeah. Um, I, I feel like, uh, they will. They probably will stick around. You know, um, I don't. I don't know for sure. Right. I'm not right. Dumb, yeah, but, yeah. You're not. You're um, not their spokesperson. I certainly understand. Yeah. That. yeah. But um, yeah, just talking from you know what I see and you know what we've been through this year, I just feel like um, they they probably will stick around because you know just comfortable here. You know, it's like it's like home away from home, and you know once you get a, a situation that that feels like home, it's kind of hard to walk away from it. So. That's cool. That's cool, man. Well, let's talk about what's what's next for you, Fats Russell. Is obviously you set your sights on on pro ball, and and living your dream. Um, how good do you feel about where your game is? And obviously, we know it's not easy, right? There's only two rounds in an mm-hmm. NBA draft. It's players from all over the world that are in it. It ain't easy to do that. Um, how how much are you prepared to do everything possible now moving forward in order to try to like live the dream of, of being in the NBA at some point? Yeah, um, I feel like I'm extremely prepared right now. You know, um, after the season, you get time to reflect and you know take time off. Um, I took about you know a week and a half off, um, just trying to figure things out. Um, I just signed an agent recently, so um, you know just going through that whole process is, is, is very exciting. Uh, I'm starting to uh, get back to working out, you know, get my body right and certain things like that. Um, we got this Portsmouth um, Invitational thing that's that's yeah. coming up. Yeah, that's I a got big invited one. To. That's huge. Yeah, so, that's huge. So yeah, just just trying to you know get ready, get my mindset on being a pro, um, and yeah, just get ready working. You have undoubtedly heard for your entire life. Oh man, he's too short. He can't. You know, there's <laughs> it's just just no way, right? Um, I'm sure you're going to hear that more now as you go through this process, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, the league's just not meant for guys your size any longer. That's that's the my my god, point point guards are six six in the NBA anymore. Um, what, you know, 
Go ahead. The crazy thing is about that is, um, you know, my sophomore year, um, well, my freshman year, you know, I was a role player, just just giving the guys a spark plug. My sophomore year came up, and you know, it's kind of the eyes turned on me. It was time for me to step up and be that person. And then, um, you know, I wasn't really ready for it, particularly my my sophomore year. And it was a lot of people just like throwing out tweets telling me that I'm not a Division One basketball player and certain things like that. So, you know, just just certain things that people say just kind of just motivate you to to want to be, you know, even greater. I mean, I, I think that's the, the only thing you can do with that, right? Like, yeah. all right, okay, watch me prove you wrong. Like, yeah. This is the <laughs> exactly. way it's going to go. Um, the experience that you had, can you tell me about your relationship with Trey Young? Um, I think everybody remembers seeing that, 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 uh, the video you playing pickup with Adam Sandler last year, which was kind of like, that just seems like a mad lib of a sentence in order yeah. to repeat. Um, how yeah. did all, how did all that come about? Oh, uh, well, so, um, one of the guys that work out, without work out with at, um, my old high school, you know, he got in contact with me, told me some guys that are trying to have runs or, you know, pros and, and some movie stars. So, you know, I just came down. I didn't, I wasn't expecting Adam Sandler to be there, but when I got there, I was, you know, and starstruck, like, oh, snap, that's uh, Adam Sandler. Right. Then I seen Trey Young. And then, you know, me and Trey Young have a pretty good relationship. You know, we've been playing against each other for, you know, all our lives because we was in the same classification growing up. So, um, I seen him say what's up. We laughed about the uh, the the game freshman year, and you know we're we're pretty tight. That's cool, man. That's not that's not a bad sort of dude to be able to like you know talk to about all this process, right? <laughs> like yeah, he's right. he's he's kind of okay at this. <laughs> yeah. Did you did you did you get anything like from from hanging out with Adam Sandler? Did you get you know other picks? Did you get maybe a something signed? Anything like that? Uh, no, he kind of like, so he came in and he played for like, uh, one or two games and then he just got he his bounce. <laughs> You're like, is any part of it is like, whoa, did that really just happen? <laughs> yeah, he called him. So he, he came to play the two games and, um, once he left, everybody was like, all right, we can really start playing now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, you know, he's what is he? Fifty years old at this point. <laughs> like, yeah. let, let's be fair. And the crazy thing is, he was my matchup, so like, I didn't know if I was supposed to let him score or really try. So, well, what you like, okay? What did you do there? This is great. What did so you don't know? Did you take it easy on him, or did you really play? Nah, I took it easy on him. Okay, like, he was guarding me too, so it was just like every time I got the um, ball, I just passed it. Like it was. Oh. Like, I didn't want to. You don't want to embarrass, embarrass Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> you gonna be that guy, right? He's like, man, I was gonna right. make, I was gonna put you in uncut gems too, but now I'm out. Like, this right. jerk was defending me too tough. <laughs> That's great, man. Hey, yeah. Fats Russell, what what can we plug for you, dudes? Uh, Twitter, Instagram, any social media. Where can Maryland fans be giving you a follow as you go through this process? Um, yeah, well, I'm only on Instagram right now. Um, at limitless.fats. Um, that's the only uh, social media that I have. Give him a follow there, Limitless.Fats. Brother, we're going to be rooting for you, man. I, I know it was a tough season, but really was a joy to watch you play. Um, we will continue to be supporting you and everything you do moving forward, wishing you the absolute best of luck. Thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes to join us this morning. Always, man. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Appreciate you guys. Yep. Fats Russell. Really appreciate him chatting with us this morning. Some great stuff in there. I mean, really kind of wild to me. It'd be real easy for him to just be like, dude, the hell with this. Signed up to play for a coach. He bailed on me halfway through the season. 
get the f out of here, man. Like this, this sucked. Yeah, I always, I always wondered specifically about him. Yeah, what what he thought when Turgeon stepped. Dude, down. he only gets he, one year. He came here for one year. Yeah, this was his of chance. Turgeon, and that, that this was his chance and to try to win something, to try to elevate himself, to all do those things, and the coach bails on him. Bails and on like you can, I appreciate yeah. him saying, "Look, man, I was disappointed. I'm not gonna lie, I was disappointed." But the way that he talked about Maryland is amazing to me. He's just sort of like, "Yeah, I don't, you know, I had a great experience. I don't hold it against them. I had a really great experience being at Maryland." It's cool to hear, and obviously this you know sort of unique thing now where his former coach is on the staff at the University of Maryland. That's a very cool thing. Appreciate Fats Russell taking a couple minutes for us. All right, uh, let's fly through because we got to get simply the bets. We wind down for a Tuesday edition of the program. Let's get a tidbit. Tidbit is brought to you today by Glory Days Grill. You've got uh, three days: today, tomorrow, and Thursday to take advantage of Glory Days. This is a thirty-one day month, right? There's thirty days. Yeah. Yes. I have an ex-girlfriend whose birthday is March 31st. How about that? There you go. There you go. That's the only reason I All know. All right. April is a 30-day month, right? 30 days of September, April, June, and November. And November. Exactly right. My, I do my, the same thing. I my, do the exact same thing. My stepbrother's thing. birthday is April 30th. There you go. But you don't know anybody who's got a birthday on April 31st because no such day exists. <laughs> Plenty of May 1st. Uh, I, don't, I, think I, I, I think I might have a couple of people in my life that were Actually, May 1st. Uh, I might know somebody, but I don't know that their birthday is May 1st. My nephew's May 3rd. Well, there you go. I think I know a few May 1sts, actually. It makes me wonder about why there was so much sex happening on the math would be that would be uh, August. Is that what that would be? August 1st? Uh, Got a lot of questions. So. Not going to get all my answers here today. I don't think that's going to be the case. The moral of the story Summer is... Summer breeze yeah. makes me feel Glory fun. Days Grill is going to give you three more days to take advantage of the St. Patrick's menu, including the Guinness thigh wings, including... The Guinness braised beef in the shepherd's pie, the Reuben, the Rachel, it's all available, but only until Thursday, and then it's gone. Gone, daddy, gone. The love is gone. GloryDaysGrill.com is the website for you to get your order in and enjoy the last three days of the St. Patrick's menu. All right, so according to ESPN Stats and Info, the 2022 Men's Final Four will feature four teams that have four teams that have won multiple national championships for the first time in the history of the tournament. UNC, six national titles, Duke, five, Kansas, three, Villanova, three. Can you name the last time in each of the four major sports in which both teams have won multiple world championships for their city? Say that one more time. Can you name the last time in each of the four major sports right. the last uh, in which both teams had won multiple world championships for their city. Both teams that competed for the championship had that, already won that multiple. particular year had already won multiple championships. Correct. Um, wow. Wow, I'm not sure that I can, to be totally honest with you, because... What's that? Uh, yeah, I got it. Um... In basketball, there have been so many first-time champions recently with the Bucks and the Raptors. Oh, but uh, the Heat and the Lakers in the in the bubble, which Correct. I always forget happened. Like Correct. it's so twenty. E it's so easy to forget that NBA final ever occurred because it doesn't feel like it was a real NBA final. I totally forgot the Lakers won the World Championship until you mentioned yeah. it a month and a half. What well, happened at Disney World? They call it like a, a Mickey Mouse Championship. Um, Literally. Yeah, I mean that's that's the reason why that phrase <laughs> exists is because they call it a Mickey because they played it they played the entirety of the rest of the season at Disney World. Um, okay, so that's that. Now, in the NHL, it would be oh god, I guess 
Tampa had won multiple at that point because they had won the one in the, the – so it was last year, wasn't it? 2021 yeah. when they, the Tampa Bay Lightning yeah. defeated the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah. Canadiens. Because remember, they had to do that goofy bit where like a Canadian team sort of got – because they couldn't cross over the borders, mm-hmm. so they basically had to let Canada be its own thing throughout the course of the season, and it greatly improved the chances of getting a Canadian team into the Stanley Cup Finals because <laughs> they could only play against each other all year long. Like New York suddenly allowing the unvaccinated players. Yeah, real weird how that all of a sudden baseball season comes around, and they're like, you know what? You uh, like Aaron Judge. You don't yeah, have to. Go ahead, let you play. Yeah, yeah go ahead, let you do that. Yeah, well, not, we're not letting you miss 80 games. Um, all right, now, uh, baseball. So... It's not Latin. Wait a second. The Astros have only won one, so no, it wasn't, it wasn't last, last year. year. And the Rays haven't won, so it wasn't the year before. Um, you're asking me to remember. So it would have been, well, it wasn't the Nationals, because that was their first one. So would it have been, I can't remember who they played that year. Uh, the Dodgers-Red Sox, correct. I guess, would have well, been the last one? 2018. Okay. That is correct. Now, this one, the NFL... Yeah. Is a little bit harder. It's the hardest one. Cool. Cool. <laughs> Fun. Save the hardest for last. Thanks, bud. Um little bit harder. Okay. Well, it's obviously not the Bengals. It's obviously not this past Super Bowl. Because they've never won one. Um year before the Buccaneers and Chiefs. The Buccaneers had only won one before that mm-hmm. point. The year before that was Kansas City, San Francisco, but I'm pretty sure Kansas City only won the one before that. Correct. Patriots. Ram- oh, and you're saying this is wonky because the Rams won in St. Louis, not in Los Angeles. So, but even still, they only won the one at that point. Um, who who were they playing again? They played the Patriots. The Patriots, Patriots definitely had won all a boat boatload. In- and actually, to that point, they only they'd only won one. The Rams had only won. Yeah, one. I think they'd only won the one in St. Louis. Yeah. Um. Well, hot damn. Seattle? God. We do have to go a ways back, don't we? How far back am I going? More than a decade. More than a decade. Kind of. Giants-Patriots? Giants-Patriots in the 2011 Super Bowl 46 when the Patriots and the Giants played. Not bad, man. Not bad. That's uh, that's tough. That's tough. That, yeah, I was. Uh, I'm going through was, the NFL. Uh, I'm like, wow, this hasn't happened in forever. Ball buster. Um, we're running late, and I apologize for that. We'll get to simply the bets here in one second. First, we need to get to uh, totally tubular for the evening. Tubular is brought to you by uh, the print issue of Press Box. We're just talking about Maryland basketball. You can go pick up this print issue of Press Box right now on the cover. You see Gary Williams. We celebrate the 20th anniversary of Maryland winning the 2002 National Championship. Go get that for free right now at your neighborhood Royal Farms. Any of the hundreds of locations around town where you find Press Box or read it all, PressBoxOnline.com. Here's what's coming up tonight, totally tubular-wise. Good local college baseball matchup coming up as uh, Towson travels to Maryland this afternoon, 4 o'clock on Big Ten Network Plus. The McDonald's All-American Games tonight, the girls' game at 6.30 on ESPN2, the boys' game at 9 on ESPN. That features uh, Baltimore's own Cam Whitmore from Archbishop Spalding, who's on his way to Villanova. NBC Sports Washington Bulls Wizards at 7, TNT Lakers Mavericks 7.30, Jazz Clippers at 10, ESPN Plus and Hulu for Hurricanes Lightning at 7. Tennis Channel continued coverage in Miami. Had a good betting day yesterday. It was a fruitful day after what was a dreadful 
whole Friday for your boy. I mean, like, the type of thing where it would have impacted me negatively if I did not have a good couple of days to follow it up. So we're all right there. Uh, MLB Network, Nationals, Astros. The Orioles are off today altogether, they correct? Are. They're off together altogether. Nationals, Astros at 1. Angels, Rockies at 4. Athletics, Dodgers at 9. The USA Network for WWE, NXT at 8. Anything non-sports-wise that stands out? Uh, Mr. Mayor at 8.30 tonight on Mr. NBC. Uh, How to Survive a, pan- a Pandemic, new movie on HBO at 9. Slash documentary. And on Netflix, Mike Epps, Indiana Mike. It's a new Netflix comedy special. So. I was offered Omar Epps on the show this week. I love Omar I was Epps. like, absolutely, we'll take Omar Epps. And then I never heard back. It was very very weird. That was not our big guess. We were supposed Are you to sure get. it wasn't Mike Tomlin? Yeah, it was definitely not Mike Tomlin. It was Omar Epps that I was offered. I was like, I don't know why, but I'd absolutely talk to Omar Epps. Did not happen. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore police. Make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good. BPDrecruit.org. Thanks today to Fats Russell, Brian Billick, and Patrick Stevens. We'll get all that up in the greatest hit section of the Archives. tab at glennclarkradio.com. Tomorrow on the program, Drew will join us. Greg Rosenthal from uh, around the NFL is going to check in with us and stuff and things on the program tomorrow. Probably not the big guest that I have been teasing. I'm so sorry. There's nothing I can do about that, but we'll tell you more. All right. Uh, thanks to everybody at PressBox, all of our great sponsors and partners, Glory Days Grill, Royal Farms, the Baltimore Police, Great Apes Memorabilia, Live Casino and Hotel, Underdog Fantasy Football, Blue Line Canine, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Cass, you want to plug your social really quickly? No, way to be prepared. Way to be ready. <laughs> um, Instagram, Cassidy <laughs> under... Sorry. Underscore Elizabeth. She's doing the Jada. She just gave me the Jada Pinkett look. I'm going to have to slap myself. (laughs) I'm going to have to. I like to stick to one man, so. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Twitter. Sorry. (laughs) Twitter. Cassidy Butler 5. All right. Very good. Thank you, Cass. Good work today. Uh, Follow Paul at Paul Valley the Third. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Glenn Clark Radio. She's still giving me the stink eye over it. It was a funny laugh. I. All right. Anyway, uh, if you're with us on audio. Do nothing. Uh, we'll see. Oh, what, do I normally? How do I do this normally at the end? Do I? Do I? Do I say? Have a great. Hey, have a great Tuesday night. Go nobody. Duke sucks. Ohio State sucks too. Now, if you're with us on audio, do nothing. We'll be back in a minute. If you're with us on video, give us one minute. Hit refresh, and then we'll be back with simply the bats. Welcome into Simply the Bets. Sorry we're a little bit late this week. Brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino in Hotel Maryland. Glenn Clark, he's Paul Valley, and I swear in just a second, Aaron Oster from VEASAN will check in with us. Of course, FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel is the place to be for the Final Four and National Championship game. I'm going to be back down there Monday night for the title game along with former Dunbar and Terp star Rodney Elliott hanging out with you. Great giveaways betting advice, just great hang, great time being there, betting on the 61 self-service kiosks in the FanDuel Sportsbook. You're going to want to join us come Monday, come Monday. 
hang out with us in the FanDuel Sportsbook. Come Monday, I'll be holding. Anyway, um, I will hold you tight if you ask on Monday. If that's what if that's what you're looking for, I'd be willing to do it. But we will see you there for the title game on Monday night. Coming up a little bit later on in the program, Leon Twyman, the assistant general manager of the FanDuel Sportsbook, will be checking in with us. But right now, we kick off the show the way we do every week on Simply the Bets. He is our buddy from out in Vegas, Vison. He's Mr. Aaron Oster, and he's back with us now. Aaron, what's going on, pal? How is uh, weekend two of the NCAA tournament? How did that treat you? Uh, decently. I had that Kansas bet uh, come through that I gave out a couple weeks ago, making the Final Four, so that helped me uh, kind of mitigate a little bit of a, a rough tournament overall. You know, it's, you know what was weird for me? My tennis betting was not good for the first couple of days of the Miami tournament. My basketball betting, however, was <laughs> phenomenal um i had i had not only did i have villanova uh and the under but as you remember i put money on villanova to make a final four run uh we we found the date it was in mid-february that i put that out there uh and then i also had saint peter's and then i also had uh miami I had a very nice, and then I didn't really, because of some <clears throat> tennis losses I took, I was not as active betting on uh, Saturday and Sunday, but Thursday and Friday were very good for your boy. It was a fruitful couple of days where Texas Tech was the only team that let me down in more ways than one. Yeah, and as I'm, I'm sure you will uh, find out a little later in this program, Friday was an all-time amazing day for the public as the books got absolutely destroyed. Remind me what Friday was. Remind me. That was that was St. Peter's. That was St. Peter's, was, yeah. yeah. St. Peter's was was an absolutely huge thing just around the country. Right. And so the other, all, basically all the public plays hit on Friday. I'm, I'm not saying, I just, that number never made sense to me. The, to the 12 never made, I get it, like Purdue was big. I certainly understand that, but the number never made sense to me. Um... Now that being said, of course, we saw what North Carolina turned around and did to him two days later. So, you know, maybe 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 I'm maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the number did make sense, but I get it. What you're saying is every average Tom, Dick, and Harry and and Sue went out and said, "I'm in love with this St. Peter's story. I'm embracing it, and so I want to bet on him because of it." And when you have that happen, it kind of screws the books a little bit. It, it screwed that, and not just that, but because of you know the fact that they started at twelve and a half, the live lines to the wild, so people were not just playing it before the game, right. but during the game, were kept playing it and playing it and playing it. I, I had one uh, owner out here in Vegas say, "I'm pretty sure we had more money lines to get cash than how many than uh, people who actually attend St. Peter's." Yeah, I believe that. Uh, I believe that. I yeah, it was. Uh, I, I heard so. There, there's one book, uh, Circus Sports, out here in Vegas, who's been around for two years. Said Friday night might have been the worst night in the history of the wow. book. Wow! 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 All right. Well, you know, <laughs> I think they've made plenty of money over the time, so I don't feel too don't, bad. Don't for feel them. bad for them. <laughs> yeah, right? I don't feel too bad for them. All right, let's get into this week's uh, five L's. Kind of a mixed bag uh, last week for you in terms of our five L's. What you hit on Miami and you hit on uh, don't bet Arizona to win the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, missed on UCLA, missed on the Caps. But again, we knew UCLA was a long shot. So yep. um, all, all good there. Uh, let's begin. Give me your, and again, it's tough because there's not a lot going on, but give me your local bet for this week that you are feeling. Well, today I think you're, you're going to be sprinkling a lot more baseball, and it's we're, we're right around the corner now. <clears> By the way, just a quick reminder, who was it that told me not to bet on a spring training game last Tuesday? Who said I shouldn't I, I, do that? 
Who was that? I did say you shouldn't. Huh. But you know what? Real weird. If you do it, you might as well hit. Real <laughs> weird how that went played out. 10-9 victors, baby. 10-9, 27 cash dollars for your boy on a $20 bet on the Baltimore Orioles. I made Never a, te- a doubt. Made Never a terrible a mistake of letting it ride the next day. That was a <laughs> terrible mistake that I made. But I had the thrill. Oh, the agony of defeat, the thrill of victory, there was something else. I don't know what you want to call that. Cashing a 10-9 spring training bet win is unlike any drug. I don't I don't know what heroin is like, but there's no way it's better than what I felt last Tuesday. <laughs> Cashing that bet. All right, uh, what do you got for us local-wise? Um, so you know what? I'm going to look at the Orioles' win total bet right now. It's uh, set at 61.5. Of course, that's the lowest number of any uh, MLB team. And honestly, that's a, it's a really tough line. It's a uh, fair line. Most of the projections have the Orioles between 61 and 64 wins. So really, it just kind of comes down to what you feel. Do you think the rookies are enough to add you know, 10 wins uh, to, to the total? Do you think the Orioles are going to sell off whatever pieces they can at the deadline? Um, and it also kind of goes into just the models always, they never quite can get the bottom of the teams, right? They very rarely have a team winning less than 60 games. And we know more often than not, there will be a team that wins less than 60 games. Um, so for that reason, I'm going to have a slight lean on the under here. I, I do think it's the right play. If you're looking to bet the Orioles win total, I do think there might be a move or two made at the trade deadline. And, you know, obviously Rushman are already starting uh, off injured, they might be a little slow to bring him up, and and I just don't think they've added quite enough with the rookies to increase that win total enough. So I'll go under sixty-one and a half wins for the Orioles. If you're looking for me to argue with you, I'm not going to be able to do that. Yes, there is some possibility that you know you have more of these guys that are just sort of like it's almost like the Cleveland Indians in Major League. Like, why don't we just go in the whole damn thing? Like, is there some chance of that? Sure, that they they win a couple more games because of that, but. Ultimately, at the end of the day, trying to come up, this still, to me, totally comes back to the pitching, right? Like, I know that yesterday Michael mm-hmm. Elias was talking about how quickly D.L. Hall could be here, and maybe that's true, but we still got some D.L. Hall questions. I know the stuff is unbelievable, but we still got some questions about his durability. We still got some questions about whether or not he's going to consistently throw strikes. And, and in the meantime, there just isn't much of anything pitching-wise for the Baltimore Orioles. So... With that being the thing that stands out, I think the under is probably the right play there. Um, That being said, let's go ahead and do a long-term bet. Let's do a futures bet that you like this week. I guess this one could have played for that. It it absolutely could have applied to that, but I am going back to the baseball well and looking at the futures here. This is the team I I really like, and and I'm trying to figure out the best way to play it, and I've kind of settled on uh, at at the sportsbook, the other FanDuel sportsbook, uh, Mariner, the Mariners are plus 194 to make the playoffs, and obviously the Mariners have done a lot this offseason. They were kind of the darlings last year, didn't, you know, really came on strong at mm-hmm. the end of the season. Fell just and, a bit short. Yeah, just fell just a bit short, but were really fun to watch down the stretch. And they made some great moves. They added Jesse Winkler, Suarez, and Frazier to line up. Uh, they signed Robbie Ray, of course. And I think this is a team that could compete for the uh, AL West. It's plus 500 if you want to take the division bet. But um, obviously the Astros are still on top there. And I think the Angels, one of these years, they actually have to get it sure. right, don't you they? Keep, you keep saying that. You keep saying that. <laughs> but, uh, you know, so they're, they're 450. The Mariners are actually the third favorite, as I said, at plus 500. 
So I'm not sure about the division, but I am. I do really like this number for make the playoffs, especially for the expanded 12-team playoffs. Uh, plus 194 is actually one of the best prices you can find in the country for this bet. And um, when you're getting nearly 2-1 to one for a team to make, again, uh, the playoffs, and I think they are a good team, I think they will compete. I think the only tricky thing is will three teams make it from the AL East, which is a very, very possible. But I, I really like that at, at nearly uh, plus 200. So give me the Mariners to make okay. the playoffs, plus 194. Okay, all right. I am... Um... You know, look, I, I think th- some of this is going to depend on just how legitimate Julio Rodriguez proves to be. But I think mm-hmm. I, in general, I think I like that bet, too. I think I'm on board. I, I don't like agreeing with you ever. It's against my religion. <laughs> but I think that you and I are in lockstep, two for two. Aaron Oster from VEASAN is with us. He's given us his five L's for betting this week. Um, let's move on. Next on the list is a long shot. Give me... Give me something that's, uh, uh, you know, maybe you just say, hey, look, I like I like this, despite the fact that nobody else really does. So I'm going back to the NCAA tournament for this one. Uh, this is what, obviously, people are looking to bet. And uh, I was kind of looking for some different ways to, to play the tournament. Not a whole lot of long shot moves to make at this point. Obviously, we're down to four teams. But there's one market that I think could bring some uh, really good long shot values, and that's the most outstanding player market right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to say that Remy Martin is going to win most outstanding okay. player. That's plus 850. And it, it's very simple. If you're going to bet Kansas, which is a very reasonable bet at this point, obviously Villanova is injured. Justin Moore is out. So you can't really pencil them in. Villanova is a great team. But I think that of you know between Duke and Kansas, they actually have the easier path to the finals. Sure. And once you, and once you get there, it's, it's going to be more or less a coin flip game. So if you're looking at Kansas, you kind of figure out, okay, how are they going to beat Duke if that's what it comes down to? And to me, it's Remy Martin and his athleticism and, and really can exploit that matchup there. Uh, if they're going to win, I really do expect Remy Martin to have a big game. Instead of playing Kansas plus the 180 to win it all, well, why not uh, sprinkle on Remy Martin, who already has 67 points in this tournament, get that at plus 850. You know, I was really afraid you were going to see Jer- say Jeremy Roach, which admittedly is kind of a bet that I like. I just don't. 13 to 1 for Jeremy Roach doesn't make sense to me um, for Outstanding Player. The other one that I, I don't think makes sense as a number, but I just I couldn't bet it. I don't get Armando Baycott at twenty to one either. Like that, that to me, there. If Carolina is going to win, I get that Brady Manick has played incredibly well. But if Carolina is going to win this thing, like I think Baycott's going to have a lot to do with it. And so I just, I get what they're really saying is they don't think there's a chance that Carolina is going to win this thing. Right. I understand that, but I twenty to one seems like a stretch for Baycott. I, I actually like the other way. If you're going for the UNC bet, I actually like Manic there at 15-1, to because I think that if uh, UNC is going to be Duke, it's going to be because of the three-point shooting, and it's going to be because yeah, of Manic. I hear you. I hear you. We're all assuming they're gonna, that zone that's been working is going to continue through the next couple of games. All right. Um, next, let's go to just one that you... It's, it's a loser. There is no way whatever you do, do not make this bet. Um, this is another one, and, and when I've done these loser bets, it's usually because I think something's gotten overhyped, the lines have gone crazy, because uh, public perception it just doesn't match reality. And uh, I, I think that's the case with the New York Mets this year. Uh, look, you can list off all the reasons why the Mets are going to be good, and, and you could be right. Obviously, Scherzer, DeGrom, that, that uh, rotation's ridiculous, and the lineup's pretty good. But I don't think they should be plus 140 favorites to win the division. 
Um, I, I don't think that re- reflects reality. That is a plus 140 is a 42% chance to win the division. And I don't think the Mets have that. If you look at the models, um, they agree with me. Uh, uh, Pakoda has them at about a 39%, and Fangraphs has them as a 28% chance to win the division. Could they win it? Yes, absolutely. They could win it. The Braves are, are right there with them. And the Phillies are probably a good notch or two below them. So they definitely should be around the favorites, just not plus 140. I think this should be closer to plus 190, maybe even plus 200, and um, to get the proper value on this. So I would not bet the Mets plus 140 to win the NL. I, I hear you, although that's a little bit tricky. I do think they're good, and so I, I just think that like injuries could end up playing. I That's a tough one for me. I guess what I would say is I probably wouldn't be making that bet no matter what, but I'm sure. not I'm not necessarily afraid of it, uh, but I hear what it is that you're saying. I'm going to give you one, and the number is going to keep moving, and people are stupid. Do not bet Tiger Woods to win the Masters. Well, yeah. <laughs> just giving. I know it's 50 to 1 right now, but you're going to see more money come in on it because mm-hmm. down there. Oh, gonna, it's already moved from 75 to 50. And it's going to keep moving. Don't be the mark. Don't be that guy. Do not mm-hmm. bet Tiger Woods to win the Masters. We still don't know that he can walk the course. Don't throw away your money. Stupid people. All right, and then uh, give me the bet that you love, the one that you say, if you've got to walk, do that. Get to the FanDuel Sportsbook right now at Live Casino in Hotel Maryland and put this bet in. Well, you may want to walk right now because this line, I, I really feel like it's going to move. It has moved in other books. So you may want to go out right now to Maryland Live, place this bet right now. It's, and it's not a bet people like to play, but it's going to come through. I, I'm confident in this one. Villanova, Kansas, under 133. Oh, God, no doubt. Rock fight. Uh, yeah, I mean, Ju- Justin Moore is injured, as we said, and the only way I see Villanova can win this game is to just slow it down, make it as few possessions as possible, make the variability higher, and this is what Jay Wright is going to do. We've seen it in the past when he's had to face injuries. What he does, he slows it down. Already, he's playing slowly. He's only playing 60 possessions per game in the tournament. They're going to try to sh- th- uh, slow down even more. Villanova hasn't gone over 132 in the tournament so far. Um, the only way this goes over is if Kansas manages to completely dictate the pace. But if Kansas is dictating the pace, that means they're probably blowing out Villanova. So it might be a situation where Villanova doesn't go above 50 anyways, if that's the case. So, yeah, I love this bet. Villanova, Kansas, under 133. I like. I do like that, too. All right, uh, Aaron, remind everybody what VEASAN's got going on. Uh, you know, VEASAN, we're, we're kind of turning the page on the NCAA tournament. We are looking at all of the other things, and we have a great deal going on right now. We're on the $19 spring draft special. Of course, it includes everything that VEASAN usually has, but it'll also include the three betting guides come up. MLB betting guide is coming out this week, division-by-division division previews are going to be coming out every day starting midweek this week. We will have a master's betting guide from our long shots crew. Our long shots crew has been on fire this winter. And it seemed like almost every tournament this weekend, they are hitting a, uh, a long shot uh, winner. And then, of course, the NFL draft betting guide will be coming out late April. So you won't want to miss that as these draft props, now that the tournament is over, now that these odds makers are really starting to uh, look at other things to put 
they're looking at the NFL draft and markets are coming out quickly for that. All right. So check that out on Beeson.com. We will make sure to do that. At the Aoster on Twitter is how you follow him. And um, we just got to talk to somebody at FanDuel about making uh, WrestleMania uh, odds be something that we can bet on. We got to see who we need to talk to about that. Absolutely. To make that possible. Aaron, appreciate you, pal. We'll talk to you next Tuesday, all right? All right. Have a good week, everybody. Hope your bets come through. Thanks, bud. Aaron Oster checking in from out in Vegas at VEASAN as uh, he offers us his five L's of betting every week on Simply the Bets. When we come back in, we will talk more about what's going on in the FanDuel Sportsbook as their assistant GM, Leon Twyman, is going to join us this week here on Simply the Bets. That's next Enjoying a uh, Tuesday, and Glenn Clark Radio has turned into Simply the Bets. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgambling.com. Help.org. The newest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, we celebrate the 20th anniversary of Maryland men's basketball's 2002 NCAA Tournament Championship. As Gary Williams reflects on how the program rose from the ashes of NCAA sanctions to the pinnacle of the sport, and why his perspective of the title run has changed now two decades later. Plus, Juan Dixon, Lonnie Baxter, and the rest of the team relive the moments that ultimately led them to cutting down the nets in Atlanta. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Answering Baltimore's calls for help, running in when others run away, working together toward one shared vision for a thriving city. That's your Baltimore police. But the department needs more good people, people like you. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore police and make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good at bpdrecruit.org. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. The biggest pro wrestling stars today and all time all have one thing in common. You've heard them on Jobbing Out. Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks. Thanks for having us, man. Appreciate it. The great Kurt Angle. Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Matt Riddle. Yeah, man. Thanks, man. The champ, Drew McIntyre. Thank you for having me. The great Ron Simmons. Keith Lee. Appreciate you guys having me, man. Bill Goldberg. My pleasure. Charlotte. Thank you so much for having me. Mick Foley is with us. This is the greatest name for a wrestling show I've ever heard. MJF. I'm glad you're happy I'm on this show because I'm freaking miserable. Le Champion. Chris Jericho. Le Champion. AJ, Aaron, Brandon, and Glenn are talking pro wrestling every week on Jobbing Out. Find it at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Stay tuned. Your chance to win a million dollars is coming up. Probably not from us. 
You're listening to Glenn Clark Radio. Well, actually, you're listening to Simply the Bets here on a Tuesday. Is Glenn Clark, Paul Valley with you. Getting ready for the Final Four. I'm uh, keeping my eye on what's going down in Miami. I didn't bet Casper Root and Cam Norrie, and I'm glad I didn't because I would have bet Cam Norrie, and he's in a little bit of trouble. Had a really, I'm telling you, I had a really bad day. Friday was like a historically crazy day in uh, in tennis, and um, it was not a good day for your boy. It Things went south in a hurry. But thankfully, it's been a better three days since then. All, all's good. All's good. Just in time for me to lose all of my money again betting on uh, on tennis during the course of the week as they move towards the finals in Miami. Hey, really quickly, because I brought them up, here are the updated odds for both the Final Four and for um, the Masters coming up next week. The Final Four odds look like this. Duke is the favorite to win the title, plus 160. Kansas at plus 180. Villanova plus 450. And then Carolina, 5-1, to one, the longest shot right now. Uh, as far as I brought up the Masters, as Tiger Woods is now he's down there at Augusta. He's apparently gonna play. Everybody's freaking out about it. He's sitting at fifty to one. Fifty to one. Don't do that. Do not throw away your money betting on Tiger Woods. John Rahm is the favorite, plus nine fifty. Then Colin Morikawa at eleven to one. Jordan Spieth at twelve to one. Justin Thomas twelve to one. Cam Smith fourteen to one. Same with Roy McIlroy and Dustin Johnson. 16 to 1 for Scotty Scheffler, Brooks Kepka, and Victor Hovland at 18 to 1, as well as Xander Shoffley. We know that uh, uh, Andrew Stecka told us on Thursday he likes Victor Hovland to win his first Masters. Patrick Cantlay at 20 to 1, then Bryson DeChambeau and Hideki Matsuyama at 29 to 1, Will Zalatoris at 33 to 1, same with Sam Burns. Daniel Berger, Tony Finau, Shane Lowry, Sungjae Im. Joaquin Neiman, all at 41 to uh, 1. Then Louis Oosthuizen at 42 to 1. Adam Scott, 45 to 1. Patrick Reed, Paul Casey, Matthew Fitzpatrick, Justin Rose, Tommy Fleetwood, Tyrell Hatton, and the aforementioned El Tigre, Tiger Woods, all 50 to 1 to win the Masters. I don't. I couldn't tell you anything about the majority of these. I'm willing to listen to someone else's opinion, but I would not be betting Tiger Woods to win the Masters. I would pass on that. All right, are we are we good? Or are we everything good? Excellent. Let's uh, head down to the FanDuel Sportsbook. Joining us now, he is the assistant GM Leon Twyman, and he is with us here on Simply the Bets. Leon, it's Glenn and Paul. It's great to chat with you, man. Thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Hey, man, who do I need to talk to about making WrestleMania bets available in the FanDuel Sportsbook? Who's, is that you? <laughs> Are you the guy making that call, Leon? Or does that, is, is, is Billick the problem? Who do I got to address this with? You know, if I could make that call, I'd make it happen. Oh, that would uh, that would definitely be interesting. Man, <laughs> that would be great. Unfortunately, not the case, but still plenty of things to bet on. Hey, um, you know, we were just hearing from people that for a lot of sports books, it was a tough weekend because there was a lot of action on St. Peter's. Were you guys feeling that in the FanDuel Sportsbook on Friday, that like, the public just wanted to continue riding the wave with St. Peter's? And did that work out in your favor at all come Sunday when they got pounded? So it did work out in our favor, but uh, but yes, they definitely rode that wave um, on from the Sweet 16. It was it was pretty great in there. Um, it was 
the environment was was wild. You know, even if you aren't into sports betting, yep. you know, coming down to Fanduel at live, it, it's just great watching everyone just get so rowdy in there. It's it's insane. No, oh, the atmosphere is. You know, we were of course there for the first day of the tournament. We're going to be back for the title game. My God, it is. There's nothing quite like it, especially when something special is occurring that a lot of people have a lot of money on. Um, exactly. As, as we get into the Final Four, I'm assuming there are some new props that are available that maybe weren't available for other NCAA tournament games. Are there some new sort of things that the that, that customers might be able to bet on this weekend as they get down there for the Final Four? So what we're seeing lately um, is a lot of people betting the exact results for the national championship okay. and then also naming the finalists. So what you're saying is you can, if you, the exact result would be right now, if you think you know who's going to win all three games this weekend. So if you feel like you know that Villanova is going to beat Kansas, Duke's going to beat Carolina, and Duke's going to beat Villanova, you would bet Duke to beat Villanova as a unique prop in order to improve your odds instead of just betting on Duke to win the national championship. That is correct. So right now, if you choose Duke to beat Villanova, it's actually 5-1. to one. And then and Duke right now is something like plus one sixty, right? So like that's a that serious that's a serious improvement upon odds. And then uh, name the finalists. You don't even have to pick who's going to win. You're just basically picking who's going to win the two games. And again, improving your odds a little bit by doing it that way, right? That is correct. So if you're trying to name the finalists uh, for that, you can do again. If you had uh, Duke versus Kansas, that right now is actually plus one twenty five. Or if you have Carolina and Kansas, that's plus 290. Uh, I mean, it seems like a, again, a way to improve. It's essentially making the same bet. Essentially, not exactly, but it just improves your odds a little bit by putting the two things. It's almost sort of like a, it's like a parlay that's just written as a single bet, right? That's sort of what we're trying to say. Exactly. That's exactly how it is. Uh, he is uh, Leon Twyman, the assistant GM of the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino in Hotel Maryland. And then I know there are some other player props that are available. Really interesting. I was kind of combing through earlier. Didn't see, like, among uh, top scorers on Saturday, didn't see as many um, uh, uh, Villanova or Kansas players listed. It seems like the expectation is that's going to be a bit of a lower-scoring game. Right, yes, and that, that's what everyone's expecting right now. So everyone's hammering that, that under on it. I, I, and I, that number, I think, is all the way down to, like, 132 at this point. Like, it is a very low number in terms of that one. Are you starting to see a lot of action come in already for the Masters? Are you starting to see futures bets? We were just talking about Tiger Woods. I think people are nuts, but I get it. It's Tiger Woods, and it would be exciting. He's already down to 50-1. to 1. Are you starting to see people race in to get their Masters bets in? We haven't seen a lot of it, but the closer it gets, um, we definitely will see see a lot of those bets coming through. So I, I say this weekend, because everyone's still riding that wave of March Madness, sure. I see we're going to get a lot of uh, bets on the Masters coming through. And I think, again, the, now that we see Tiger Woods in Augusta, hanging out, playing around, I just think it makes the general public perhaps a bit more excited about the Masters and makes them more inclined to want to get involved and throw a couple of bucks in. Oh, definitely, without a doubt, especially for the Maryland market right now with us being – uh, fairly new, you know. Everyone definitely wants to hop on as much action as possible right now. Leon, can I ask you this? Um, are you guys? I'm going to make sure I have this correct. You guys were doing the bracket bonus contest for live rewards members. Does that continue through the final weekend of the tournament? That is correct. So as long as you bet fifty dollars or more on any of the tournament games, and you have a live rewards card, you will go to Fanduel.com 
slash bracket bonus. And it's going to ask you for your name, your email address, your live rewards number, and also the best slip number. And that will enter you in a chance to win $500. And that, as you point out, that continues through the championship game. So I, uh, Rodney Elliott and I are going to be down there on Monday night. We're going to be hanging out with you guys for the title game. Rodney, the former Terp star, will be hanging out, watching with great giveaways. And even if that's the game, you get there, you put a $50 more bet in, and you're a live rewards member through the title game, you can still sign up for a bracket bonus. That is correct. And and make sure I have this right. If you're not a live rewards member, can you go to the window there at the FanDuel Sportsbook, and can they help you make sure you get signed up for live rewards? Yes, as long as you come to the window. Um, I'm always back there as myself. Bruce is back there. Uh, the whole team will make sure that we get everyone signed up for a live rewards card. Yeah. That way you can enter in that chance to win that $500 for that bracket bonus. And what's really important to me is you can still win your bet. Like we talk about the idea that, hey, if you lose the bet, it's a great way to get money. You could win your bet, make a significant amount of money on winning your bet, and then still also win a $500 bracket bonus. That is correct. So it, it could be a win-win for someone if they know what they're doing. Boy, well. <laughs> That might might rule myself out. Might take me out of the equation at that point, Leon. Unfortunately, is that is not my strength. But I, I that's an awesome offer and continues again through Monday night in the national championship game. Fifty dollars or more on any NCAA tournament game, and you can register that bet. Is there anything else this week that's like gotten that 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 sort of caught your eye as far as bets that are available, lines that are interesting to you, Leon? Anything that you've looked at and been like, huh? That's uh, that's kind of fascinating to me. Okay, so I, I also noticed that we've had some people come through, and they are wanting to bet the most improved player for the uh, tournament. Oh, so that, the, the most out, wait, the most outstanding player. Yeah, it's most outstanding. So it and and again, it feels like that's a way of kind of improving your odds, right? Like if you really like Duke to win, you can get better odds in betting. Um, you know. It, I guess everybody would bet Paolo Bancaro, but you know Jeremy Rose, you get even really better odds if you do something like that. That if you yeah, say, uh, it, it seems like it's just another way to kind of manipulate and improve your odds based on who you think is going to win the tournament. That's correct. You know, it's whatever they can do, whatever they can get their uh, money on, they're taking the action. <laughs> I completely get it. I, now the way I look at, like, I don't think Carolina's going to win, but looking at Armando Baycott at twenty to one, I'm like, man, I don't. I don't know, man. Like, if they do, it seems like he's going to have to be a big part of it. 20 to 1, that's juicy enough that I might just have to throw a couple of bucks that way and take you my know, chance it's, on it. It's, it's definitely good odds. <laughs> yeah, man. I'm telling you, I might, that might be, you might see your boy make an appearance in there to try to throw a couple of bucks that way. Um, there are other ones that I'm looking at, like most uh, or combined total points scored. Among all four teams, the number right now is sitting at 285 and a half, especially if you think that number is going to go low in the Villanova-Kansas game. That might be another way that you could go about finding some money. Uh, the game with the most total points, obviously Duke-Carolina, a, a significant favorite when it comes to that. I don't think that's all that surprising. You can bet on which of the four teams is going to score the most points this weekend. Just some really interesting, a little bit different props that are available this weekend that weren't available during the rest of the NCAA tournament. Leon, is there anything else uh, uh, fans, customers should know before they head down to Live Casino and Hotel in the FanDuel Sportsbook this week? Yeah, so uh, we just added some more kiosks uh, to our location. So right now we're riding with 61 total kiosks. 
in our sports book. 61, and they're open 24-7, of course, so no matter what it is that you want to bet on, if you want to bet on a snooker match that's occurring in the middle of the night somewhere else in the world, you can do that. Gaelic Division Three football, whatever it is that you're into, you can bet on it at those 24-7 self-service kiosks at all hours of the night, early in the morning, even when the sports book itself is not open. Uh, we're looking forward to it, Leon. We can't wait to be back down there on Monday night for the title game. We're going to have some great giveaways. Of course, uh, Rodney Elliott, the former Terp, always very popular whenever he's hanging out. People want to come hang out with him. So we are looking forward to being there for that. Appreciate you taking a couple of minutes for us this morning, my friend. Uh, let's talk again real soon, all right? Yes, sounds good. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, and uh, look forward to seeing you all again this weekend. Can't it's gonna wait. Be, uh, it's going to be rowdy in there. No doubt. Oh, it's going to be electric, no question. Thanks, Leon. Appreciate you, bud. All right, thank you. Leon Twyman, the assistant GM of the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Appreciate him taking a couple of minutes for us this morning here on Simply the Bets. All right, you got a tidbit of the week to deliver for us? I do, I do. I'm actually mad at myself. Oh? Because this is a bet I could have made. Oh. And I could have made a huge... Because if I'm looking at a list of the teams that, are, that were still alive in the Sweet 16... Mm-hmm. There's a good chance just because I'm a novice and I recognize these names. Oh, that you would have gone chalk. You would have said, "Give me the blue bloods." That, Give me the that I would have ta- taken these teams. And what this person did, somebody last Thursday during the Sweet 16 placed a twenty, hang on, oh. placed a twenty-five dollar bet on a four-leg parlay at plus one hundred seventy-two thousand. We, we used to call there was there was a there was a kid in our neighborhood. We called him four-leg parlay, but that was. <laughs> There's something else going on there. Entirely. It placed yeah. a, four, a $25 bet on the four-leg parlay at 172,700 plus 172,772 odds. Wait, wait, wait. Say, okay, say that again. It said They placed a four-leg par- a $25 bet on a four-leg parlay at plus 172,772. 172,772. How did he get that kind of odds? I don't know. What were the... But he placed a four a twenty five dollar bet on a four leg parlay with those odds that Duke, Villanova, UNC, and Kansas would be the final four teams. So okay, so one he bet it before the Sweet Sixteen was over. Right, right. Clearly, it still seems like the that number still seems a bit much. That was the number I saw, and clearly the, the person won. The payout on that twenty five dollar bet, yeah, forty three thousand two hundred and eighteen dollars. Yeah, I mean that's a that's a good win. I just, the odds are the one the, you say the odds were what plus one seven two seven seven two. That seems like a lot. I I get it. There were still a lot of games we played. There was still a lot of you know like I'm trying to think of who was an underdog. Carolina was not an underdog against St. Peter's. They were an underdog against UCLA. So that you know would have would have fixed. Uh, oddly, I think Villanova was actually an underdog against Houston. So like that would have helped a little bit in there, but. And and if it was before Duke played Texas Tech, I think Duke was a slight underdog against Texas Tech. But even the the even the dogs were slight dogs. There's no real like significant upset in there that would would jack up those odds so exponentially. I just I'm trying to figure out like how he got those odds. That's the only part of it I'm trying to figure out. I'm I, trying to. It, it definitely it, it should have paid like a good win. There's no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. It should have paid as a good win. But you said what was the, how much did the ticket cost? Twenty twenty five dollar. Yeah, bet. there's just no way that a twenty five dollar bet. It was on Darren. Uh, here it is. It's right here. Mm-hmm. Uh, four leg player lay plus one seven two seven seven two. Let me see it. Let me see. Uh, okay. 
March, he put it in on March 25th. So what day is today? The 29th. So this would have been on Friday. This makes even less sense. Two of the games are already done. It, the bets that he placed says March 24th on those bets. But then the was other Thursday. two say March 25th. Oh. They was on Darren Rovell's Twitter. I got a lot of... I got a lot of... This would make more sense if the bet actually was put in before the tournament. If the bet was put in before the tournament, this is more viable to Maybe me. Maybe the bet was put in before, and those are the days it's, that it paid out. It doesn't really make sense either, but none of this makes sense. Why it has, like, he didn't bet on individual games. He bet on the, the I don't, the dates are throwing me. The dates really are screwing with me here, so I'm going to try to do my best. The only way this makes sense is if he bet this before the tournament began. Mm-hmm. Because with so many teams involved in each region, and Carolina at that point being an extreme underdog, mm-hmm. um, then there was a real chance of you getting being able to cash like and, this. And I'll be honest, at that point last week, it would I'm, not have made. sense. I'm still super new to this, and even when I even when I saw the dates, I was like, "How did he get let me, odds let me like see that, that one more time? Let me see the original the tweet from the Action Network that that got us here. I just lost it. I'm sorry. Give me All two right. seconds. All I'll right. find it again. We're spending too much time on this. We can wrap up here in a second. Um, hey, just just as we talk about this, a reminder that you should know the risks and have a plan before you start gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. This parlay is insane. All four region winners, $25. It, just, it, doesn't, it does not give us enough information about what the bet is entirely. I, it seems to me as though it had to be made before the tournament. Yeah, because In order to pay out like that, there's just no way that a bet like that last week would have paid out. Yeah, even way. I thought that the, that the bet was too recent for it yeah. to pay out, but I'm going by what, they, by what I saw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even still, 25 bucks you make. Well, yeah, I mean, it's a remarkable. I don't care when you do it, 100%. It's a, it's a massive victory and certainly one that, you know, if you just said, "Hey, these are these are powerful teams," I'll I'll ride with them. I this was the latest into a tournament that I lost my first Final Four team in a bracket. I'd never gone this deep into a tournament without having lost a Final Four team. I didn't lose a Final Rigged. Four team. I didn't lose a Final Four team until. Hang on, make sure because I got Villanova in Kansas. I lost UCLA was the first Final Four team that I lost. I lost them to Carolina, so that was the first Final Four team that I lost, and that was on Friday night. So I got all the way to the second day of the Sweet 16 before I lost to Final Four team. There, by the way, I am leading the bracket contest, but I feel really nervous about Villanova now, of course, because of uh, Justin Moore. So if it ends up being Kansas-Duke, I think I finish out of the money. I think if it's the final, the championship game is Duke-Kansas, I think that Susan and Terry will be competing for who gets first and who gets second. And I think I will be... I, the only is Susan my mom? No, not your mom. Another Susan. There's did, another did my mom Susan. hop in? I don't know if she, I don't remember. I don't think she did. I don't think she did. Um, and Terry, I can't wait to tell you guys who it is. If if I just chatted with him, uh, I will be able to tell you. If Terry wins, it, unfortunately, that means that Duke's winning, and I don't like that. But um, it's kind of neat that I'll be able to tell you guys who it, who it is that was win- the winner of our bracket contest. I, I will tell you, I'm sure my mom would have hopped in when we started this contest. My mom was on like this epic month-long vacation. Wow. Well, I mean, I'm not... And I'm they're not, going on another month-long not, vacation not, in a couple of weeks. I'm not going after your mom. <laughs> you better not. We're good. We're good. Uh, Cassidy's mom checked in earlier, by the way, during Glenn Clark Radio. She checked in with a couple of opinions about the uh, the handball rule. We'll talk more about that later. <laughs> 
All right. Uh, thanks to Leon Twyman. Thanks also to Aaron Oster. Appreciate you guys tuning in. Uh, we will see you next Tuesday for the next edition of Simply the Bets. May the odds be ever in your favor.